on this episode of Quantum Week, June 15th through 21st, 1980. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year and talk about movies, music, headlines, stories, culture. Today we are in June. Culture? 1980 with The Shining and Funky Town by Lips Inc. It's such a weird name. Well, Lips Inc. Get it? No, I didn't get it actually until you just said it. That's stupid of me. Lips Inc. Yeah. Holy fuck. They wanted to call it that, but I guess they... uh it was already taken, so they went with that. I wonder if they did that because the woman in the video actually lip-synced it, but they didn't know that at the time. I didn't see the video. They have a video? Yeah. It was before MTV. Yeah. I guess people still have videos, I they guess, They a promotional right? video, and it's, hmm. um, there's the woman who, we'll get into this later, but the woman who sings it is from the time, Morris Day in the Time. Oh, you're obsessed with, yeah. Oh, it's obsessed, oh, everything goes back to Morris Day, but, it, but it, it, They're it, so good. But it, right. Yeah, it, yeah, it's Prince, really. Right, Prince Rinaldi. And everything but, in the 80s, I think, at some level, is a... Seven degrees from separation. Probably. From but she was uh, she was on tour with them. Um, but the guy who wrote uh, for Lip Sync yeah. brought her in. But it's not her in the video. It's this other, it's this uh, Norwegian woman. Oh, okay. Um, and she does like the robot and weird stuff. Oh. But uh, but I wonder if he knew that they were going to Lip Sync. I, I don't know why he would have called it that. doesn't matter. I don't know. They uh, ended up doing it. So uh, we should talk about, we, we're doing this, uh, you don't even know about this. We're, do, we're doing this on, on air here. Where we're going next week. Where are we going we next week? to discuss it. Uh, we're going to 2009. 2009. So, 20, 2010 was very good, but what, what was 2009 all about? Yeah, so we're going to see uh, the free show will be taken. Okay, yep. Let me see. Yep. And then the uh, the Patreon show will be Gran Torino. Okay. Yeah, so we're, we're not going to do Slumdog Millionaire. We're not going to do Paul Bart Mall <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Paul Bart was not a tough one to do, but I was a little bit between Slumdog and, because Slumdog's the best picture winner. But Gran Torino, that would be more interesting more to iconic, discuss. Yeah. Do you um, think we'll get to Slumdog Millionaire at some point? I do, yeah. It would be some, interesting for me to see that again. Yeah, I made some money. So I, I, I'm i pretty confident about all three. Like, I was like, all right, well, all those movies we could run into. Even Paul Bart and Technically, we could <laughs> even, run into. I'd rather we don't have to. Not talk about that ever. To, yeah, right. uh, hopefully, yeah, but uh, you never know with this show. Uh, and then our uh, our Patreon show on uh, tomorrow is uh, Blues Brothers. That's right. Um, but yeah, so the Patreon, uh, you know, you can... Um, Five dollars, you get that free uh, extra, show, extra show to me every uh, week, every week, um, and then uh, we don't talk about enough. But fifty bucks a month, you can have your own week. That's right. And what we would do is we would come in, we would even do a third show, we do an extra two show free shows basically, and a Patreon show. Um, so in fact, if you you and your buddies wanted to uh, pool your resources right. so that you could get an extra show from us. You can do that. Right. You have to do it for a few months. You, you can't do. like, won't just take one yeah, month, but you, but you get to pick all of the uh, movies and uh, all of the songs for that, uh, from that week. Sure. Uh, as long as we, uh, we have to obviously have to cover number one uh, of the movie and number one of the song. Yeah. But, it's gotta be on the charts. It's in the charts, but uh, yeah, but yeah, but you can uh, obviously uh, step up and, uh, and do that. If you have the resources, if you don't, if you don't have any resources at all, then you can enjoy the free show every week. Yeah. You which, got the free show. I appreciate that. Like, uh, we both do. Well, obviously. listen, money bags. Come on, let's yeah, kick in. If you're super rich, come, come on, on, let's go. Help us out. We're yes. trying to do this thing. Right, sure. All right. Or, or just, it just we get to have power of being able to do a week. <laughs> There's that. You could just support the show too. You could just give us fifty and then don't even worry. Yeah, about but I, I would, I would think that was fun to just have that the would be power fun. and, ha- and make you have us watch bad movies or good movies, whatever. It's right. Um, but we're watching uh, The Shining uh, today. You ready to get into it? Yeah, let's get into it. Uh, so The Shining, um, Kubrick, based on a Stephen King novel. Which, of course, I read. People know that. Yes. Oh, you've read it? Of course I read it. Yes, I've read it as well. Yeah. 
everything Stephen King we talked about this before until maybe 2000 or 90, oh, right, 98 right, or something. Right. Um, and I really like the book. Not my favorite Stephen King book, but I really like it. And I really like this movie. Yeah, so we've done over 150 of these episodes, right? Yeah. Okay. So this, The Shining, this movie, yep. is the best movie we've ever covered on this show. Well, that's not true, but it is it very, is very, very, true. very good. It's incredible. And people hated it when it came out. Well, not the not the buying public, but the critics hated it. Stephen King hated it. Ebert hated it. Stephen King still hates it. Um. So, yeah, and there's a lot of reasons, obviously, for that, um, why people hated it at the time. Um. It's, the movie's a mystery, and it never quite makes sense. And that's why it's so rewatchable. That's why it holds oh, up yeah. so well. That's why every time you... And there's also so many layered things to it. Every time you watch it, you pick up something new. I, th- I think I've seen this movie probably about, I don't know, 50 to 70 times now. Um, it's just one of those movies I've just watched a million times because it's super interesting and fascinating to me. It and is. every time I watch it, I'm... The older I get, the more scared I get. Oh, I, yeah. I am... Uh, it was kind of a thrill to watch it. You know, it's kind of like... Uh, you can almost watch it ironically as a teenager, but then when you're older and you get closer to Jack's age, or even now, I guess I'm older than Jack probably ever was, but um, you, it, you, it's frightening. And it's, it's like, cause you realize we all have evil inside of us. Oh yeah. And the fact that evil could permeate and hurt the ones you have most, like how many degree, you know, we, you read about people who wipe out their families and just see these things happen. And you're like, you know, how close, how close am I to snapping? Yeah. Yeah. Cause everybody gets mad. Everybody gets right. super frustrated. And then it just takes one instant, one bad decision. And then you're, but you've he's gone too far. more than one bad for him. For though. him. Yeah. It is for him. But that's because well, we'll get into this, but that's because of the supernatural factor. I think, I think it wears on him over time. Um, but where, uh, whereas I think, I mean, he's prone to snap violence. We know this already because right. he dislocated his kid's arm. Right. He was a drinker. And probably beat up his wife. To interrupt a few times. Seems, the way she reacts, she almost flinches it. when she says it. Yeah. Um, we're talking about the scene with uh, Shelley Duvall and the doctor. Yep. Um, and the doctor is asking her some pretty pointed questions. I think the doctor knows too that Jack likes to. And the doctor looks horrified too. Did you notice that? Yes. Horrified. Um, yeah, it's a horrible thing. I yeah. Mean, to, you know, and, and yeah, Shelley Duvall, uh, who I think is quite good. We can get to that. Very good. Bit, but uh, really underrated performance here. Um, she, uh, she kind of tries to play it off very nonchalantly, which is, I think, what people in that situation do. Yeah, it seems to defend your husband or defend, you know. Particularly for her personality, it seemed exactly right. Right. Yeah. And they, right, the doctor never really, like, met her halfway. No. No. Does not make it better at all. She no. looks horrified. Yeah, it's a pretty you horrible thing. You don't, it is a horrible This drunk guy oh. comes home and rips his kid's arm out of his socket. That's fucked up. No doubt. It is fucked up. But normally, doctors are better at, like, you know, keeping a straighter face in that instance. Mm. And she was not, um, I've never, I mean, I've, yeah, doctor bedside manner. Normally doctors are more stoic, right? Not to like play it down. Like you could, you could show concern, but she looked horrified. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a good scene for her. Yeah, it is. And actually that scene is not in the, uh, the British version. So mm. the British version is missing about 25 minutes when they sent that o- over to the UK. Uh, and, um, uh, Cooper just did some trimming to sent, before he sent it over there, and that was one of the scenes they cut. They also cut the scene with uh, like uh, the guy from Rocky when he's like asking him on the phone about us. Uh, um, sorry, uh, Scatman Crothers is Scatman asking Crothers, him yep. to um, uh, you know, reserve the uh, the um, snow cat, the snow cat for yeah. him and stuff like that. So those scenes are are completely wiped out of the, of the um, all the doctor scenes, and that scene are, are wiped out. Of the movie. That's interesting. But I, I, I mean, I'm glad they're in. And obviously, oh. we'll talk about the American version. But I'm glad they're in this version because I do enjoy especially the doctor scenes. I actually enjoy them. I think it shines a lot of light 
on Jack. I don't know how you can cut this. So it is longer. It's two hours and 20 minutes. Yeah, I want so much more though. Like I, I want, I want. He, Kubrick is so good at building suspense. You are never bored. No. It is, it is so creepy and horrifying and it plods a bit, but it not, but it, but it holds your attention the entire time because it just fucking builds suspense. Oh, I don't, yeah, I don't even really see a potting. It, it's, it's just slow. It's a, the pace is slow. The pace is slow, which it was even, it. even slow for its time. That was yeah. one of the uh, people, crit- critics uh, kind of blasted it for being too slow. The other thing about it, if you watch it, like there's a lot of really long scenes. So like there's yeah. not, especially in today's like frenetic, like, you know, post Goodfellas, post Pulp Fiction. It's very cut, 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 cut. You know, Scorsese is big with that. And, he, yeah. and he's great. And Scorsese, I love Goodfellas. And, you know, I love it. I love the frenetic energy Scorsese has. But in, with this movie, The Shining, um, the cut the cuts are very rare. They, the scenes will just almost it's almost like a really long. No, obviously Scorsese's famous for the one or the Copacabana, but but these are these are scenes where there's not a lot going on. Like you know, it's just someone walking down a hallway. This, but, it, okay, sorry, but you reside in Jack's yeah. insanity longer, and it's creepier. It's scarier it is to watch Danny just be in his big wheel and just ride around. Oh my god, behind you just, him! Yeah, especially the first time you see it, you just don't know what's around that corner. You don't. You know, and um, you know the way Kubrick directs, anything is possible, any time. So, especially this movie, so you're like, all right, you know, you're never safe. No, the not the opening scene where they're driving, which is a beautiful shot through the yeah, mountains. Yeah, like so, like not I, that, but after that, when Jack is first entering the hotel, it's a one shot. He walks in, yep. goes to the desk, follows him, mm-hmm. tracks him down a hallway into the GM's office. That's all. That's all a beautiful one shot. And like you, you may see yourself, you know. I'm sure everyone here has seen this movie. Everyone listening to us has seen this movie. But, uh, you know, you might, if you see that written down somewhere, you might be like, all right, well, do we really need that? But you do because it's it's teaching you, it's showing, so what Cooper does so brilliantly in that, in that, you know, first act of this movie basically is he's giving you a tour of the hotel. Yeah. And then by the third act, it, it almost, it, you almost feel like you have been there a long time because it does feel much smaller. Oh yeah. And you feel trapped in it where, when you first see the hotel, you're you're overwhelmed by the expanse of it. Yeah, it's giant. Um, and then, but like I said, by the end, you almost feel like it might as well be three rooms. Like we, I'm we, fucking trapped. Yeah, we needed that. That's how hotels feel. Yeah, exactly. If you've been in there long enough. We needed it. We needed to see the lobby because the lobby is actually where Jack, um, is that where he types? Is that where he's typing? Is I that really the, lobby? In the lobby? I think the lobby is where he kills Scatman Cruthers. Right? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But you need to see that and you get the hallway tour with Danny. You get the, the tour of the kitchen, the which kitchen. comes up later. Right. All that stuff, you know, even the maze we go into beforehand. It yeah, just right. sets the, sets the and entire scene. And you see scene. that like Danny and Wendy go into the maze and Jack doesn't go with them. That's right. Which ends up being his downfall. Yeah. Um, those are the credit sequence. The credit sequence uh, is the uh, second greatest credit, credit sequence ever. Obviously, number one is Superman the movie. Uh, <laughs> number two, the credit sequence. I'm sorry. That's, I know no one can argue that. It's good. The, it's, good. it's incredible. I love it. The yeah. second best, in my opinion, is this. Um, the music is incredibly spooky. Oh, it's so scary. Music. Wendy Carlos, but uh, Wendy Carlos left this film very angry with Kubrick she did the score well so she thought she scored the entire movie for a clockwork orange and Kubrick uh, picked like two songs yeah and did the rest of the stuff was already stuff that had already been uh been recorded and she felt really excited by that yeah so Kubrick asked her to do this movie and she's like all right well I don't want that to happen again so she does a whole scores the entire movie in fact even scored I guess it's like two hours like the original cut she basically scored which is like a three hour four hour long movie sure cut scores the whole thing and then Kubrick makes cut, which is fine. That's also part of the process. All right, all right fine. Now it's down to 220. Yeah, but then only use like two or three of her songs. Right. And she's just like, oh. so she said she swore she'd never work with them again. I don't blame her. And then for um, his next movie, which is Full Metal Jacket, he actually used his daughter uh, who used a pe- like a pen name. Um, but um, 
yeah so she does the score for the, or at least the theme really uh for the, for this movie and uh, it's incredibly spooky it's so ominous it really is uh and, and this and, and those shots are incredible it, yeah so you're just going through the mountain pass and it's out west see i forgot i thought the book was the book was the book actually i thought the book was new hampshire i thought it was uh i thought it was the um whatever the the hotel it was supposed to be the hotel, hotel new hampshire yeah the but, one that's in mount washington hotel Mount Washington hotel yeah yeah i don't think it's i think history. it is in colorado i think you it, could be right it's the overlook in the, in the in the um yeah in the book too I believe. but this is i mean i these this area looks very similar to me some of the shots are further west they're in the sierras they're not in colorado correct um and it looks so familiar to me with those large you know very tall pines and you're going on these windy mountain roads you're seeing the snow that's why you know i knew it wasn't new england in the film of course because the mountains are so much bigger out west and you can see that and they're all snow capped and stuff even in the fall um beautiful shot just following the car and there's one point where the camera drives off the road yes it's so fucked up yeah. it's like you are shot you're, you're like what the hell is this and it's it's just a great shot the other thing i like about it too obviously it's all taken from uh i'm, I'm matching a helicopter yeah. or aircraft yeah. Um, but because of that, it gives the, um, the audience, uh, a, like a perception that things are unsteady. The camera is constantly shaking Yeah, and things are obviously it's, you know, I, you know, if it's a happy accident. I, with Kubrick, things usually aren't, things usually are done for a reason. He's very deliberate. Sure. Um, so I'm guessing that was done intentionally, but it is, um, it shakes yeah. and it is very unsettling. It's hard to do um, really spooky in the daylight like that. Yes. You know, especially in a wide open space. It's not like you're in a close quarters with no. them. They're in a car, but right. you're, you know, you're, you're seeing kind of the whole beautiful area. And, and usually nature is very uh, inviting and warm feeling. And you don't get that from this beginning shot. It's, it's, it's pretty amazingly done. This movie was uh, I think the first movie to use a steady cam. Steady cam is um, uh, basically almost like equipment you can like, strap in your body, if you yeah. will, and you can kind of like basically move around with the camera and uh, technology. Um, it's Garrett Hun, Garrett Hand, I forget his name. I'm sorry, but uh, he uh, developed it so basically, even if you're moving, the camera still has the uh, is still able to, to take a, a steady shot. If you right, will. it's not bouncing around. Probably the most famous shot in this movie is, like I said, the big wheel scene that that is done yeah. with a steady cam. Yeah. Um. So you know you have, and they wanted to get that sound, so you have like the wood, <laughs> the big wheel. Do you have a big wheel growing up? Yes, I did too. I yeah. loved it. Yeah, me too. Um. So you have the big wheel on the on the wood, and then you have it on the carpet. Carpet, wood, and it, carpet, the, and yep. the, the sound changes quite a bit. And, it, and to do that. Uh, to have the sound be organic, they wanted it as close as possible. So he's basically like chasing behind Danny, you know, right behind him, I guess, with the steady cam. Uh, and it gives, uh, you know, and the reason that the reason Kubrick wanted that, and the reason it's so effective, is it makes you feel like you're there. Yeah, and it makes you feel like you are on that big wheel with Danny. Yeah, you can't see enough. Um, you don't know you don't know what's right as you right. said before. You don't know what's around the corner. You're, it's just a, it's a very intimate feeling. You and Danny hanging and, out there. You know, it's very exposed. Watching it. Right, Danny's super exposed, right? And watching it, we know Danny's vulnerable. But yes. because that sound, and because the steady cam, and because you feel like you're there, it makes you, now you, the audience, you're vulnerable. I did want to say, too, we were talking about the score before. The score is phenomenal. It is one of the it's best scores It's more of a soundtrack than a score, though. It really has got Berlioz, but I don't know what the... so the, the it's, A lot of that's already stuff that's already been done. Right. Before, uh, obviously, we... we you it's know, Berlioz, it's Bartok, it's, it's some other folks, right? There are a lot of romantic um, writers. Yes. But... There was, but there's still, um, I don't know what this was. I'd like, I, I should have looked and I, I should, I, I want to look, but there, so it, close to the end of mm-hmm. the movie, you get this chanting. Yes. In this music yep. way, way down in the mix. I don't think that was, I don't think that's Berlioz or Bertog. I don't know what that is, but it oh. is so fucking creepy. It's Rosemary's baby. Creepy. It's like, I think it's after, um, there, I saw them on the staircase at one point. 
Oh, the, the chants go really intense when after he kills Scott Man Crothers. Because that yeah. basically, um, he does some stuff with sound there too that's more than just music. Um, oh, yeah. His voice. Jack's voice. Yeah, but I mean, like, the, uh, I'm sorry, Kubrick's layering sound over it. That's sure. just like its effects. And um, because uh, it's like that high pitch, like, and yeah, that's yeah, like yeah, basically yeah. The, the hotel is now a lot. Yeah, like, right. now, like, that murder has, yeah. you know, obviously the hotel is already kind of like, you know, kicking anyway. Yes. But this basically springs everyone to life. That's why, you, you know, Wendy see, even Wendy's seeing the ghosts. I like, know. Like, things are just, now things are just so fucked up. Yeah. And the supernatural stuff in this movie is obviously incredibly effective, and it makes it, it you know, it makes it, uh, spooky and fun, but that's not the real horror for me in this movie. No, it's him losing his mind and getting to a point where he's going to murder his, his family. Yeah, and like, so this is Stephen King's issue with the, so Stephen King wants. I think his idea of The Shining is that it's a tragic tale. We have this flawed guy, Jack Torrance, who goes to the hotel, and because he has alcohol issues, because he might have proclivity to violence, because I think in, in the book he used to be a teacher, but he broke a kid's arm. That sounds right. And that's why he lost his teaching job. Yeah. They don't really talk about that. But like, so there's a guy that could be violent. That definitely is a, is a, is a alcoholic. Yeah. Uh, you know, reco- newly recovering alcoholic. And you know, because the hotel supernaturally like basically picks at his weak points yep. and he loses it. Yep. That is the story. Stephen King has, and he just can't seem to get out of that prison. I get it. He wrote it, but like Kubrick is more on my, and I love thinking my favorite author. Yeah. But in this case, I'm with Kubrick where and you watch it, watch that very first scene with the three of them in the car. And Jack Torrance is never like a comfortable, like normal guy. Never one. And like they're talking and he's like, uh, talking about like how Danny knew what cannibalism was. And he's like, you see Wendy, he learned it from watching the TV. Right. And like, he, he doesn't say it right. Like he's just like, like he, he's trying to play normal. Yeah. Like he's trying to be funny, but he's kind of like annoyed. Wendy let him watch it. And he's, uh bemused his kid knew that but he doesn't know he's not he's socially so awkward he's so he's kind of parrots this thing he probably heard somebody else say but he doesn't yeah. say it right he's never warm to his family he's never comforting to his family ever i ever. mean it's always he's always a viper like you could you can see it that he might snap and even the scene with omen the beginning so like you mentioned right. he walks in the office and omen is the guy like the manager of the hotel and he's talking with him and like he's trying to be really warm but, but it's not. But it doesn't play right. No. And I wonder why Ullman doesn't see right fucking through that. Because he needed a caretaker. I guess he does, and, yeah. Or, or I mean, there's a lot of... I, I don't want to get into the um, documentary bullshit. I'm sorry. I, I know there's a lot of conspiracy theorists out there. I don't know. I don't know what, so, so there's a documentary sorry. called Room 237 came out. And basically, like, you know, Danny's wearing an Apollo sweater. Yep. Basically, that is sign that Kubrick um, did the the movie. Yeah, that's, oh, that's, that's there's also that. another theory that this is, has to do with the uh, Holocaust. Guys, it doesn't. No. Like you know, like we went stop. to the moon. Let's let's back. Yeah, up. enough. Like I, I don't want to do with any conspiracy. If that's what you want, there's other podcasts. I'll do that. I, I don't even want to. Honestly, I love talking movies with you guys on Twitter. Or whatever. I I'm you know I'm really I I love talking. I have no interest in talking conspiracy theories and stuff. I'm just not. You know, I'm just I'm just not interested. Um. So. But I will talk about the kind of theories within the movie. Like, sure, yeah. that's fine. Like, the spooky. So, there is a, you know, is Omen in on it? So, the end of the movie, and I'm a big fan of talking about things that just got cut, but this literally got cut at the last second. They literally shipped the reels of this movie to movie theaters, okay? Yeah. And with this scene, and I'm going to talk about the studio had to call the movie theaters and say, I need you to cut these two minutes out of the movie, out of the canister. People did it, and, they, and you need to destroy it immediately. Not only did everyone do it, there is no evidence 
uh, of these of these no one no one there's pictures of it wow. it happened there's a script of it yeah. so we know it was said yeah. but there's no one every everyone actually did the right thing and that would never happen in 2021 there would have been that would have been oh it been leaked everywhere oh my god yeah we would have all seen um, it so the scene is uh, the reason I bring it up so uh, Omen goes to the hospital where Wendy and Danny are after they get down the mountain right okay the very very end of the movie right before the end of the movie is always going to be the, the photograph and we'll talk about that in sure. a bit yep yep but um, uh, Wendy is in, in a hospital bed Danny's okay yeah uh, and uh, Omen kind of has a discussion, basically says there were no evidence of any supernatural stuff that you talked about. Maybe you must have gone through some great trauma. Um, and, you know, I basically denying that any, any supernatural happens. Yeah. And then he, as he's leaving, he goes, oh, Danny, uh, here's your ball. And he throws him one of the tennis balls that Jack was, Jack throwing, was throwing around. Um, and that basically is kind of like a signal that Omen's in on it. Mm. And if that's the case, that kind of explains why he was so eager to have a, a Jack, who's, a, yeah. this weird guy right take care of your like you know multi-million dollar hotel for like you know eight months yeah um but kubrick did remove that for a reason so he might not want us to think that omen's in on it or maybe omen isn't in on it i believe the hotel brings people in like the hotel like nudges people like it nudges jack like jack is gonna go there he's gonna push yeah. him there i feel like well my my interpretation is the people in the hotel who are dead are always have always been in that hotel and they're just and the hotel is just incarnating people to go wreak havoc in the in in the main world and animating people to get to wreak havoc in the world yeah so yeah i guess we can talk about that so, like. so we'll talk about the end of the movie the end of the movie yeah. obviously ends with jack being in that photograph right right so there's two theories basically that i think are are reasonable but you know there's, there's others that i'd love to hear you know within the movie i don't want to no conspiracy but like, within the movie so one theory is exactly that yeah jack uh has been reincarnated and that picture has always been hanging there yeah but jack um you know this new version of jack you know and and then you figure 40 years now to be another version of jack right? sure yeah okay. The other theory is that he was never in the picture until he died. And then the and hotel then it just, absorbed now him. it's got him. Yeah. The reason I don't hate the second theory is because I'm not married to one. The reason I don't hate the second theory is because if his picture was there, maybe we would have seen it. Like they would have seen that. I'm mean, like, wait a second. It's fucked up. Like, why? I don't know. You're so small in that picture. And, I agree with that. Yeah, the other, other thing too, is if you watch the movie, like, and look for it. Yeah. There are pictures everywhere. Yeah, it would be hard to pick that Even out. in the game room. So you yes. know where Danny's like throwing yep. darts? Yeah. There must be a hundred pictures in the fucking game room. Like just walk through it. Mm. There are pictures everywhere. So I agree. So the idea that like one black and white picture with, I know he's playing center, but I agree with that. So I, I think I, I don't, uh, I, I agree. I think the people, right. When it was always have been there, obviously, you know, since it was built, since, right. In 1906, whatever. Well, they go out of their way to say it was built on a, on a burial in ground. Too, room, right. So, you know. which is not in the book. So that is something Kubrick really wanted to get through. Interesting. Yeah. And you know, you watch the movie and uh, I really love the movie Poltergeist. Oh yeah. And you watch it and you're like, wow. And uh, by the way, Spielberg and Kubrick are, were very close friends. And, um, you, you Poltergeist owes a lot. And I love Poltergeist. So this is not a knock on it, but Poltergeist owes a lot to the shining. I can see that. It's like, wow. Obviously it has the warmth. So that's the one thing that Spielberg's so smart. He's like, All right, well, I can't direct this. Like, I'm not cold enough to direct something like this. This is kind of hard. I, I know Toby Cooper, but we all know Spielberg directed sure. Tolkien, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, right? So Spielberg's like, I know I can't direct this, but I can direct something like it with the warmth of a family. Yes. And that will make it my own. And it does. It definitely is its own. But man, oh man, like it really does have the same beats, right? Yeah. Like even the ending, like everything comes alive, the oh, swimming right. pool, and That's then everything right. comes alive here. Like it's like, oh shit. Like, right. you know, uh, obviously you're in much safer hands with Poltergeist and Spielberg than you are with this movie. <laughs> yes, you but, are. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, so um, I, I, I think your theory could very well be right. 
I think the other theory could be right. It absorbs him. But either way, it's okay. Like oh, yeah. either one of those explanations is fine to me and it doesn't really matter. So I'm happy to believe either one and it's fine. The reason this movie lasted so long, the reason we're still talking about it, the reason I, I don't know if I've ever been more excited to tape a show than this one. Um, and it's not because of funky town um, is because um, there's so much Kubrick dies obviously, but he doesn't die until 99. This movie comes out in 80. So 20 years later, yeah. he never really gave any interviews about it. He was incredibly quiet about his art. He basically puts it out there and let the audience discover it. But this movie in particular is a mystery. It's very, it's, there's nothing explained. And it, and I think it's the reason it's held up so well. And the reason audiences hated it at first, just like audiences hated the Sopranos season finale, series finale at first, right? Yeah. But as time goes on, we kind of, we kind of love it. Or a lot of people do. I love it. Yeah. Um, I didn't love it the first time I saw it. I didn't hate, some people hate it. No, but it's a letdown to see your favorite character well, well, we don't know. No, but and, well, that's the whole thing is you don't know, you but, don't, but yeah. you don't know. Yeah, and I people guess. were mad about that. Yeah. But uh, with David Chase and Kubrick are, are obviously much smarter than, 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 than everybody else. And they're like, all right, no, like the mystery, that's, that's the fun part of it. Sure. And you know, Kubrick, you know, I don't know if he foresaw VHS or if he foresaw or even give a shit. Like he just made the movie and there you go. But the idea that we had cable and we have VHS, and we have you now streaming all these options to be able to rewatch this a number of times it's never explained. So because of that, every time you watch it, it's almost like a new movie because you're just, you're trying to put the, and like, I've watched this movie, my, you know, I, I talk about in the show a lot, how I didn't have a lot of rules growing up. Yep. You know, my parents didn't have a lot of uh, the, art was art. And we, we, I watched this movie when I was younger than Danny is in this movie. I've watched this movie my entire life and uh, I'll watch this movie until I die. Yeah. I'll never figure it out. There's nothing because there's no answer. No, there isn't, but it's a fun mystery to always have in my life. Yeah. It is. And I love it so much for that. And I love movies. The big reason I love movies is this movie. And um, this is my, I think I have my fifth favorite movie ever. Uh, I love this movie so much. Well, and that's, that's why every, it never stops being rewarding. Yeah, because every time you watch it, you can dis, you can rediscover it again because you're rethinking about it again. And you have a new perspective as you grow older too. Now, we're his, actually, we're, he was in his probably late 30s at this right. time. We're probably older than him. We're probably a little bit older yeah. than him. But still, same life yeah. lifetime, yeah. right? And uh, and right, so we're disco- rediscovering with our own eyes and our own perspective. Uh, yeah, I agree. It's it's an awesome movie. It, it's, and we'll talk about the visuals. I mean, I've been talking about this movie I, for, for about 12 years here. Uh, the visuals are obviously the carpets, uh, you know, the, anything, the carpet, the, the overall hotel itself, the carpets, the gold room, uh, all of these, these things are so, so iconic, but even the bathroom, um, I know when the Jack, bathroom? And, Jack and Grady go in there, yeah. just the way it looks. I, I've oh never, I've never seen a bathroom in film before or since other ones I kind of try to copy, but I've never seen any that original or creative or interesting. Can you imagine that bathrooms in that hotel though? That's crazy to me that it's in there. Well, the room doesn't like the gold room. The gold room couldn't be in the overlook. Like there's no way something that big could fit because they do the overshot and like, there's no way. Was it that big? Cause it looked like uh, some the of, overlook was. Yeah. And some of the other rooms like were Jack tight. Like some of the things like it doesn't, I guess it doesn't make spatial. I'm terrible. I actually had to read that. I didn't know that, but I've read yeah. that a few years ago. I'm like, there's no way that could all fit I into see. the overlook, but that, but Kubrick's. So crew members were asking that to be like, listen, you want, you should want us to build a set. It doesn't make any sense. And he's like, it doesn't, it's not supposed to, it's a ghost story. Like, yeah, yeah. this isn't like, it's all. And that was kind of his catch-all thing for a lot of the stuff. Crew's like, all right, you want it to be how many stories tall? But, the, you know, it doesn't really add up. Sure. He's like, it doesn't matter. And so the bathroom, right, would a bathroom like that even be, <laughs> is it Jack's imagination? Is it really there? We don't know. I will say, talk about this scene for a second, because it's maybe my favorite scene ever, maybe uh, scariest one I've ever seen in a film. Uh, Jack and Grady talking. Yeah. Yeah. It is the scariest thing. It's and it's just really two scary. guys talking. Yeah. It is the scariest thing I've ever seen on film. The evil yeah. that Grady has 
And at first it's underneath everything. And, you know, obviously we know Grady, you know, so, you know, based on the conversation that Jack had with Ullman. So we know that he killed his family. Yep. And you see Jack kind of put it all together. And then Grady just lets off. He never loses. He never loses his temper. Like he always has that same speaking voice, but he he'll drop like the N word in the most hateful way possible. Right. He'll um he'll tell him he needs to correct his family. Like it is so right. fucked up. It's really fucked up. Even Jack is it's, just like kind of like whoa. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm surprised that Jack. I mean, you know, Jack has to be off by that point because he's actually going down that road with Grady too. When oh, you want to get the fuck out of there? No, Jack's like. Uh, Imagine if someone told you you should kill your wife. You'd like you'd like you'd be like what? You'd yes, be, I don't even know if you punch him because it'd be so shocking. You wouldn't even know how to react. But the way he's discovering it too, he's like, no, you were the caretaker. Yeah. Like he's he's called. Would you, if you're a pro, if you're looking at some guy who killed his family, would you would you be you know? He's no. 50, he's like fifteen percent aghast and eighty five percent excited. Yes, he's a little bit like put off. You can see like, kind of his body language. He's like. He kind of steps back and yeah. he's like, wait a second. Like, whoa, like, and Jack does that really well. Nicholson does that really well. Yeah. Like, so you were on, uh, I don't know if it was the episode you were on with, with, uh, with Kirk Minahan and, um, and he's kind of knocked Nicholson. He did. Uh, that was on. Yeah. There's this, this one, you, the one you, was, was and he said that Jack's always Jack, which I, that is, that is not Kirk's not alone in that critique. Um, and it's when, I, when I've seen people say about his acting, that's a, I know Kirk loves Gene Hackman. I love Gene Hackman too. But oh, it's great. Yeah. You know, it's kind of the, the, back in the 80s, there was a big debate, like De Niro versus Nicholson. Sure. But like that was, I know, I guess De Niro, I think De Niro's kind of passed Nicholson by now, I think in the eyes of critics, but there was a real debate in the 70s and 80s. That was the, the two, and then Pacino kind of in there too. Sure. But then when Pacino has drug problems, it became in the 80s, when, when we were kids, it was De Niro versus Nicholson. Right. And Nic- De Niro's thing was, well, De Niro can change. He's Raging Bull, Jake Omada. He's, you know, Vito and Godfather. Like, he's never the same person. Like, Cape Fear, he's like, he's a different people, right? Oh, right. Or even like Goodfellas, he's a different person. Jimmy the Gent's different than those other characters. Where Jack's kind of always Jack. I think there is some truth in that. I don't think it's fair in this movie. I don't, I've never, you know, the Jack Nicholson that we see in One Flew the Cougar's Nest would not wipe out his family. No. That guy was actually just kind of a, kind of like an asshole, I guess. But like, he wasn't like an evil no, person. Wasn't. Although you do see the same tones. We just watched Joker. We just watched back Batman and though, you know, Joker and Torrance have a lot more in common. I only see it at the end when he's in the freezer. I just see the way that he smiles. I mean, it's pa- walk- partially the way that he smiles and his eyebrows are right. too, but still the way that he, he, it's the same. It's the same look where he's a viper. Like you never, you never, you can, you think that he could just destroy you at any time. Well, Jack Nicholson is a very sinister looking man. Yes. And he has, he's a very odd looking man. Yes. Like he has this weird grin. And he has this we, these weird eyebrows. I don't mean weird bad. Like, they're, like, iconic. But, like, I don't, I don't know people who look like Jack Nicholson. No. Like, I've seen people that kind of look like bloated versions of Robert De Niro. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? But, like, you don't, I don't know anyone that looks like Jack Nicholson. Like, no. he's such an odd-looking guy. Yes. But, like, um, but like you watch Chinatown, and you, you watch A Few Good Men. Those are different guys. Absolutely. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think that's initially a really fair criticism. Um, but... Some of his movies, especially as he got older, he definitely got a little lazy with stuff. And it, he, he, Jack being Jack, you know, he would fall into those traps. Especially if he was doing like light comedies. It was like, all right. Um, like about Schmidt, he's different even though. Um, I think so. But um, 
Is about is about Schmidt? Is that the one in the end where he um he does is he having a correspondence with uh, Kid in Africa? Is that the about Schmidt one? Oh, Christ, I think that's him. Seen forever. That, that's a good one. He's good in that. He's also I know Kirk knocked at this as well, but he's also good in, in as good as it gets. He is good in that movie. Yeah, I'm with Kirk. In that. He's good. No, it's, it's, it's Jack is. being Jack. No. That's, 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 no, it, it's it, not. Yeah, no, I disagree with that. One. Um, but with this, this is more like a Breaking Bad performance to some extent. Oh, Breaking Bad was more like good becomes evil. Obviously, we, we watch Breaking Bad, you realize that Walter Wright was never quite good, and at the end, he's never quite evil. No, like, but you know, this, but he becomes bad. Yeah. Where this, Jack's always, you know, the Stephen King version would have been more like Breaking Bad. I think good becomes evil, or a guy is kind of flawed becomes evil. Sure. Where this, like, we even see, like I said the initial scenes. Jack's never right no this guy's always fucked up but you have to do that anyway because you only have two hours to make sure you know to believe that this yeah. guy is capable of that type of violence. you could have had be guys people i mean ami Vihara, you could have like had, just have that's people, like happy people just be possessed but i think that's why this movie is a step above because it doesn't take that easier out no like stephen king's version is like an easier thing oh this flawed guy gets possessed and now he kills his family all right well that's like you know that's a it's a good it's a fine book i like shining's all right it's not i don't think it's one of his best but it's fine um but Kubrick making this evil guy, like you go along for this two hour, 20 minute ride, basically with this evil person. That's a bumpy ride. It like, is that's a not, ride. that's not like a fun, you know, like, but he makes it, but Kubrick is such a great entertainer that he's able to make it so wildly entertaining, despite the fact that you're watching a guy that wants to wipe his family out. Yeah. Do you think, uh, so Stephen King mentioned that he didn't like any of the casting for this. Right. Uh, I mean, he didn't like the movie anyway, but he mentioned that uh, he, thought a more everyman would work better right he wanted john boy yeah but he also mentioned christopher reeve and i thought reeve could do this yeah it would have just been quieter and softer it would have been quieter and it would have been lighter yeah. he really wanted john boy but um yeah but it, you're right but it kind of like uh, that quieter performance i thought i i couldn't see voight do it but i could see reeve do it oh you got his way in the fucking made for tv you got steven weber from wings so there you go did you see my wings tweets today oof no Rough. i didn't no no one did no one liked him oh oh man i oh, mean i had some wings i had a couple of tweets about wings today and man, i like oh, that man. show but uh people hearing this like weeks later but oh yeah man oh man no one like i don't think i've ever had tweets be so so disregarded It's because people don't know wings i guess like, was it a, it was a hit though wasn't it, it was a, i was on after cheers that's what happened it was the same producer so it was mm, on after cheers yeah um but steven weber um uh from wings was the bad was i'm sorry jack torrance and shining in the made for tv movie stephen king finally got his way got to make the movie he wanted yeah and he got rebecca de mornay to be oh. uh and it was just it was not good i watched it, it was it was it was a bad movie it, it, a was made for tv but yeah. b it was just like it was it was shock and um it was really stupid and ballsy for him to even think he could you know they that like they would, that he could do better than Kubrick. Yeah, like what yeah, are you doing? He didn't no. direct it, but he was really involved with it. But like, right. what are you doing? Yeah. Right. So he didn't like the casting with this. Um, he had a, he says that the Shelley Duvall's character is the most misogynist character ever to be portrayed in film. I don't see that. Me either. No, like I that, think she's just a gentle mom, and she tries to protect her kid. I think she's really good in this. I know that's like she's really good. You know, she got nominated for a Razzie for this, which is bullshit. Oh, there are a few Razzies for this movie, and that's stupid. Yeah, people are dumb. nominations. It didn't win anything, but I'm uh, yeah, whatever. Did I, it, were the people in, in 1980 just a lot dumber than us? No, I think no, because I think it's Sopranos. Same thing. When the Sopranos finale came out, they, if you ask people what's the worst finales ever, it would have been the top three. Where it would not be the case now. No, and I think in 20 years, it'll be even higher, more high, even the high, more highly regarded that Sopranos finale. Yeah. People want closure in the end of movies. And like this movie is all mystery. It's no closure. Well, they're, I mean, they get away. They get in the snow cat and they go down the mountain. 
We think, don't even know what happens to them. But you believe that they're okay. They got out well, of it. Yeah, they're, yeah. I mean, they got out of the fucking hotel. That's the problem. The right. hotel was a problem. Right. They got and out. They're in the snowcat. They, right. They got yeah. out. But we don't know what happened to the hotel. We don't know why Jack's in the picture. We don't, like, there's a lot just kind of left but unsaid. You can, but you can explain all that. If you want to, you can just think about it and be like, okay, this makes sense in this way, and then it's when fine. When people, people just, just saw the movie, they, they walk out. They want to be, that's why people like they Marvel be told. movies. We talk about this. Like, they want to be told what to think. People are happy when they walk out of Marvel movie because they're like, oh, I just saw a movie. It had a beginning, it had a middle end. I know what happened. Oh, they, they had a little teaser, so I'm excited for the next one. But like, I know Captain America, whatever, save the day. Yeah. I go home happy. I, I kiss my kids goodnight. I fart and I go to sleep, whatever the people do. And like, you know, so that makes them happy where people walk out of the cinemas then and it's like, um, oh, what happened? I don't really know what happened. I'm confused. And now I'm just kind of annoyed. I'm confused. But then if they have more time to think about it, like all the same people who saw it in 1980, like if they're still alive, probably love it now well, ebert felt the same way he gave it two stars yeah. and then you know later on he gave it four stars and ebert's not a dumb person he's no, a brilliant he's, he's our best he critic who's ever yeah. lived yeah but right it was not warmly received and a lot of brilliant critics didn't didn't like it just you didn't know get it. kubrick was too far ahead it, i mean just creating a movie about people if you have any that's just mystery it's going to piss people off initially I and suppose. then they have more time to enjoy and digest it if it's done right then they will love it like nothing else some of these other shots that are amazing are uh, is uh, Shelley Duvall dragging um, Jack oh. Nicholson across the floor is an amazing shot. And terrifying because you keep waiting for up. Oh, my God. Um, the other is uh, there's an upshot from uh, Jack is trying to get out of the uh, out of the freezer and the camera's looking straight up at him mm-hmm. as he's trying to push the door down. It's just another crazy shot. Yes. I mean... Uh, the snow shot, like right as uh, Shelley Duvall, so they're trying to get out um, the window, so he gets so standing out the window, and then you, then you, uh, well, there's a few times where she opens the door and she walks out there, and you see the starkness of the entire hotel is just covered in snow. Yeah. Um, at night, isolation, just amazing shots, amazing shots. I, I yeah, I mean the scene, you know, that bathroom scene. So you know, you oh, watch. I, I just. What, having a camera track the axe as opposed to the actor. Yeah. It is such a brilliant move because once again, it feels like you're there. Yeah. You don't feel like you're in a movie. You're, you're literally riding along with, you're pacing with the, with the weapon. You're with the weapon. That's such a fucked up thing. And it's so simple, but it's not. No. And it's such a brilliant move by Cooper. That's why he's smarter than everybody else. He also does a lot of small to big. Like he'll, you'll get um, real intimate moments with Jack as he's writing or with Shelly when she's in the writing, that big writing room, like first discovering that Jack's writing some crazy shit. Yes. Um, and then it'll, you'll, you'll, then you'll get the entire room. You'll get, you'll get the entire space and it's so vast Kubrick just goes small to big, small to big. Um, so you just get both perspectives. You get the intimate and you get the, you get the space. You get to know the entire environment. Right after that scene, obviously, right after that she discovers the, uh, the ja- all yeah. work and employment, you know, uh, all work and no play makes Jack a double boy. Yep. Uh, you know, have the staircase scene. Yeah. Uh, now Kubrick made uh, them do that 130 times, I believe. Fuck. 125 times. And um, it, Shelley Duvall, as we know now, is uh, has some major mental illness issues. Um, she hasn't worked in film in 20 years. Um, she goes in Texas where she grew up. That's what happened. She was in Texas. She's an accidental movie star. She was in Texas. Robert Altman found her at a party, said you should do the movie I'm doing, um, and uh, went and did uh, a couple of Altman movies, uh, and then uh, ended up kind of be, you know, Woody Allen ended up using her in Annie Hall, and then she got The Shining. Sure. Uh, she, you know, she did. She worked with uh, Altman, uh, Woody Allen, and Stanley Kubrick in the same <laughs> decade, basically, which is wild. Yeah. Um, and um, she is Kubrick manipulated her uh, on set. Uh, he basically wanted her to be terrified and uneasy the entire time, and 
I don't know if he just didn't trust her as an actress or if he just wanted to get more out of her performance or what, but they would do things like, I guess the original script, she had many more lines. They cut a bunch of her lines. Now oh. there was some talk that the reason they cut those lines was because she wasn't reading them right. Uh, there's also a talk that Kubrick was doing that to make her feel less important, make yeah. her feel like she's failing. Yeah. So she's even more distraught. Um, we talked about it in the social network episode they shot that opening scene 99 times with uh jesse eisenberg and uh and rooney mara yep and it works so well it's just an amazing scene and fincher does that he's known for that right and because of that you get great coverage we talk about why it's so important and cooper is standing here obviously you get so many great shots in the overall i mean everything all they spent over a year making this movie which is insane usually movies like three months right at most for like bigger movies this was like i think it was like 14 months it's some insane thing like really bizarre he did the same thing eyes wide shut i think they shot that for like two years that's a different that's this movie on steroids in terms of difficulty, though, I think. There's so much more happening, and you're not just in the hotel. You're, you're in other you know, places, you're, you're, right. You've got the vastness of the, it, I guess it's the hotel where the orgy scene is, but then you've got all the other stuff happening. It's not a hotel, it's a mansion. There are a mansion. hotel, like when she does like the Chris Isaac that's dance. Right. But, yeah, yeah. but no, there are other scenes, right. And that's, a, right, but they basically, like, Cooper just wanted to shoot things. Like, he would just shoot things all day. The difference with Eyes Wide Shut is he treated Cruz and Kibben like equals, so like they had a lot more say and stuff and he'd be like, all right, we're going to shoot like this scene for like all week. Like we're just going to do this scene all week. And he'd be like, all right, fine. But like with this movie, it wasn't the case. I, but it wasn't just Shelley Duvall, like the scene, which I love immensely, Jack Nicholson and uh, Lloyd, the bar, the bar, the bartender. Oh my God. And just the conversations they have. And they would shoot like the scenes they would shoot for like two weeks in a row. And they would shoot from like nine 30 in the morning to 1130 at night for like t- two straight weeks. And like there's the, not the that actors, much dialogue. Like, what's that? <laughs> there's not that much dialogue. No, there's not that much going on, but he just wanted to get it. Per- he just knew how imperative. Cause that really is the moment when Jack turns, when he is. has that first sip of alcohol. It's like, yeah. all right, well now this guy, there's no coming back. Yeah. And um, he just thought those are so critical. So he just shot that over and over and over and over again. And Duvall, it kind of drove her to, I guess, some sort of madness. She never, she did, uh, went and did Popeye after this, which did, which her Robin Williams. Yeah. yeah. Altman again, it was supposed to be a, like a blockbuster it ended up being like a, like a pretty decent size hit. Um, but, um, people were, people were kind of like, eh. and then I, she'd always been kind of called like an olive oil. Cause she's so skinny and yeah, she, that's look. the perfect role for her. Really. Right. Yeah. Everyone kind of said that. So like there was, at that point, there's almost like no coming back. Yeah. So she ended up doing those fairy tale theater, uh, on, which we probably saw as kids. It was on like, uh, it was on cable. Yeah. Um, but they were pretty well received. So she was producing and stuff. And then she just kind of like, she, she had some, like I said, some mental illness stuff to creep up. And I think, you know, and then she ended up just going back to Texas. Uh, well, she took time off on the set here. She took like three months off where she was sick during the shooting of this. Yeah. I don't know if she, I think she had a breakdown. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, sick. Right. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Like, and she had, she also had an apartment right next to the studio. So like basically she had like, this was like her life for like 14 months. Oh yeah. And I don't think that was a great choice. No. Um, and she really just felt Kubrick really was just like being really, and then like Kubrick had his daughter on set and she famously did like a documentary about this, which is uh, pretty interesting. Um, and she took a lot of pictures and stuff. She's in one of she's in the gold room, a scene when there's like a bunch of party goers. Yeah. She's one of the party goers, right? But she was there every day and she would kind of manipulate. She pretended to be Shelly Duvall's friend at times, at times like be really cold to her oh. and like, Stanley used his daughter as kind of like a puppet <laughs> of sorts with her. Um, and then, you know, it comes out and she gets kind of blasted for performance. Then, you know, I think that's 
I mean, luckily I haven't, I don't think I've met too many, hopefully I haven't met too many women who have been abused, but the ones I have met can get very quiet and meekish. And like this one scene was just sitting in the bed and she's just like distraught and just doesn't know what to do next. And you completely empathize. You're like, absolutely. Yeah, what does she do? She's trapped there. She's fucked. Like, what does she do? She has no one she can rely on. She's a little son who she loves and her husband is a maniac. Where, where does she go? There's no, there's, you're not safe anywhere. You're literally you, trapped. You can't go outside because you're not safe. You can't get anywhere. Kubrick does such a great job of isolating you. That's, you know, that whole drive up there yes. is to show you that there's nothing the fuck else you're around. You're alone. You're alone. And then when the, you know, and, and then they, you see it first and then Ullman explains it. Yeah, we're 25 miles. You know, we don't, we close down because it's 25 miles yep. and we can't plow it. We get 20 feet of snow. So, you're very clear that this is a fucking isolating experience. You've right. got, you have a hotel that's goddamn possessed and your husband's going to kill you. So where, where do you go? What do you do? Your phone's out. Like, Transit, the radio's out. I think like Stephen King thinks, unless you're like going to Hamilton and T2, you're like, you're fucking weak or something. It's like, that doesn't mean you're weak. It means you're fucking probably normal. Like I'm she's guessing like- petrified. Yeah, she's also probably been, you know, beat up by her husband for years. I'm guessing. We know that he- you know, hurt the son. Yeah, at least, kid. I mean, I, I, I really doubt it's the only time he ever hurt Gaines. Yeah. I'm sure he slapped around a little bit. Like, yeah. there's no way it's the one time he popped his arm. Like, right. And then there's even, like, things about that that don't make sense. Like, so there's a lot of things that don't don't always add up, and I, I don't think it's a mistake. So they'll say things like, oh, like, this happened, like, uh, three years ago, Danny's injury, but Jack's been cleaning sober for five months. Well, okay. That doesn't make sense. So yeah. what happened those two and a half months? Right. Or two and a half years. Right. And then like things like uh, Omen says how Grady, like um, his daughters were eight and 10, but then we see them and they're, they're twins. twins. Right. But like I, I, people will like criticize that. I, I'm like, no, that's how people talk. Like, people's memories are never quite no, right. No, they're not. And sometimes gaps are never quite explained because that's just how human beings interact with each other. It's like it, the doctor is not going to keep pushing this woman who's obviously kind of shattered anyway, but right. well, wait a second. Like, yeah, let's he, do the math on not, this. You know, in movies, a lot of times people act like lawyers because they're always like, you know, questioning and asking truths. But like, that's not how human beings interact no, with each other. No, and we also don't necessarily know who to trust. And I think that's on purpose. Absolutely. There's no, there, there, and that's people, I think another people in 1980 didn't like it. There's no reliable narrator. No. Like, who are narrators? It's a woman that's been, that's beat up. It's not seeing a lot of things happening around her because she doesn't have this power. It's a kid who has psychic ability. It's a little boy <laughs> who's like, who's, I mean, who's you know, possessed by some guy. Tony. Well, I think Tony's him. I don't think he is possessed at you, all. You don't think that he's... I thought Tony was just some sort of psychic experience, so he was having a spirit talk to him, talk through him, basically. Oh, I don't... That's not... That's not actually, so in the book, you know, we find out that his middle name is Anthony, so it's, you know, basically it's him all along. Yeah. It's kind of how I perceive it. I just think it's um, it's a defense mechanism. Yeah. Like that's, it's still Danny, but Danny just can't, at that point, be Danny anymore. He has to be somebody else, which is totally understandable. Um, you know, so I think that's why Tony's a little boy. Was in I don't think... I, I think... I, that's how... But, but once again, never... No, you in, don't know. In the book, it's explained, but in the movie, it's not. Well, you know he's sensitive to psychic stuff happening anyway because he's seeing all this supernatural things that are going and on. And we're told and, with the uh, basically the conversation he has with Scott yes, and right. others, yep, with yep, the yep, Calorin, yep. that he has a gift. Which, that's why I thought that he actually had a you know a, some sort of ghost friend. We but really we don't, don't know. We, we really don't, know. don't know. We don't. And this is the kind of shit that drove people crazy in 1980. But like, but we don't know. But that's why it's so rewatchable because you're looking for clues. Like, oh wait a second. Like, yeah, you know what? And how great is that conversation with Dick Calorin and, and Danny? They explain the shining, but it's never it never feels super expository nope it never feels like too deliberate stanley cooper had a lot of respect for his audience in fact more than they maybe they deserved um because to put this out there with no sort of explanation and david chased it too he's like here's my art here you go i expect you you know especially the sopranos because like they'll have characters go in and out like they don't spend a lot of time like recapping although it was a bestseller 
And, you know, people probably read the Stephen King book yeah. to go and see it, I would think. So yeah. they would have a little bit more explanation from that. But then, but then he diverts from it, though. He does. Like, you know, in the book, the boiler is like almost like a fucking character. Right. And then, like, you know, in this, it, it's never brought up at all. No, you see um, you see Wendy go to the boiler and, like, right, just it works. that's it. It works, yeah. Like, everything in this hotel is a finely tuned thing, unless it doesn't want to be. Right. Where in the, like... This is why I have issues with King's version. Like King's version, hotel is evil. Okay, so hotel impact is so evil. It took it took a decent man and made him bad. Okay, fine. The hotel is that powerful. It can't fix its own boiler. I know. So like shit like that is just like all right. I I mean I'm not trying to shit on King because I I love King stuff. I just and I get it. He wrote the book, so he's gonna he's gonna be sensitive to it. Right. He just see I thought he there can't was, see. He can't. He won't. He won't bad. allow himself to see Kubrick's vision. It's too bad because there was plenty of supernatural. There, if there were more supernatural, would be cheesy. Oh my god! Like and uh, oh my god! This right? This film almost it has just the right amount. Absolutely. You you might even say I'm not. This is gonna sound like I'm being critical. I'm not. It's just simply my opinion because I don't. This movie's so brilliant and so amazing. Like I I I feel like I'm not worthy of like criticizing it. Um, but like I don't know if I would have had Wendy see the apparitions. I liked it because we needed to know. We so, need to know that the hotel's I, evil. I really don't want to know. I also don't love that Grady gets Jack out of the freezer. I really want the ambiguity. And the more I watch it, and actually, I mean, Kubrick, this is what I mean. Like, you know, imagine how mad people would have been in 1980 if you didn't have those two scenes. That's true. People would have fucking been so They wouldn't have known. How the fuck? Yeah, they wouldn't have known. They would have, you know, and, you know, but also maybe... I guess there's a lot of ways you can look at this. Maybe, you know, and, and maybe I'm just kind of clinging to my own wants and beliefs here. Um, but like maybe Wendy doesn't see the apparitions. Maybe she's just seeing them because things are so fucked up. But we are, there is going to be that payoff. I believe that, I believe Kubrick would have wanted that photograph in there at the end, no matter what. I think oh, there's, I think that's a payoff. The, the so photograph, then, I know we talked about the ending changing. Yes. The photograph was the, always there. Because he wrote this with somebody else. I'm sorry, let me get her name. It's Catherine Miller, I believe. But the uh, photograph was So if that's always, always there, there then you know it's supernatural. It's always in, in the That's script. always there because who who's that who's that photo for? It's for us. Right. So it's telling us that this place is supernatural. So I don't mind. Diane Johnson, I'm sorry. Diane Johnson, co-wrote this. Right. I don't mind. I want Wendy to know. I want Wendy to know that it's not just her husband, that they're also it's an evil place. And if she gets out of there and away from her husband, she's probably going to be safe. I want I want her to know that. I also I also think it helps explain Danny too. I know we had the shot, we have him, you know, speaking to um Dick Halloran. No, not not what's the uh oh is that the car, the character name? Yeah, Scott Sc- Scott 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 Dick Halloran, yes. I, I much prefer his his real his given name. Scatman is funny because his name's Scatman. Yes. Yeah, it is, yeah. Yes. Uh Budzy Budzy Bop, as uh David Lee Roth would say. So I so I, I know that we have that there, but it also but it valid it validates Danny to his mom. Because the mom never sees, doesn't know that that interaction. The mom never knows. So Danny's had problems, obviously. He's had psychological problems because he says it. He says, yeah, I'm not supposed to talk about this. Right. So, but now the mom knows. But, okay, so but the mom knows. Like, he writes red rum in the door. That The mom knows that then. Like, because Danny's calling out the murder that's happening. Yeah, but that could just be, you know, he could just be having some sort of psychic break, not, not actual, you know, supernatural situation. But if she sees... If she sees the supernatural too, she knows that her son can. She's better prepared for her son later in life. I like that. Yeah, I, 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 I fall on the side of much more ambiguity. I love the picture at the end. I have no problem with that because that almost adds a layer of ambiguity. Yes, I guess it does accept that it is supernatural, but then also now it's like, well, then what the fuck? Then how? Then how did that happen? It almost gives us a new mystery at the end, which I love. The supernatural? No, 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 the picture at the end. Oh, I see. I, I would like less. 
I have no problem with the supernatural element at all in the movie. I would have less. I wish I said I wish Wendy didn't see it to some extent, and I I I, I wish Jack hadn't been let out of the freezer by Grady. But maybe yeah. maybe Wendy doesn't quite see the apparition. Here's I guess one theory: Wendy doesn't quite see the apparitions. He's she's only seeing it because she's basically been told there are, things are fucked up in the ho- hotel, and she's also maybe having a mental break of her own. And then maybe um uh, and then um maybe Danny got Jack out. Maybe he was in. Oh, a, it could be in some sort of trance. Something happened. Yeah, or, I mean, you know, or we, maybe the door was just faulty. We already know that this place is fucked because did we? Danny seen the apparitions too. Like it's not just Jack. No, the and shit. they they do show. They actually Cooper goes out of his way to show the door is not faulty because before right. she's gonna let him in, it won't open because it's locked. That's right. So that's Cooper saying, "Hey, Grady really did let." So Something's Cooper really wants us to know that Grady really did let him out. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I. I mean, we all have, you know, I'm not critic. Like I said, I don't feel, I don't feel I'm worthy to criticize this film. It's that, it's that amazing. It's that, it's that, it's that great. I, I don't have any issues with it at all. Um, but I guess I kind of root, I root for Jack to get on his own. I love too that Jack is such a fuck up. Jack, yes. from the second we see him, like into the second he dies, his yeah. fucking little boy, it tricked him. Yeah. This guy, he's not a great, like a lot of times you see these villains and they're like, they, they, you're like, how did he pull that off? It's so, but like Jack fucks up all the time. Even the ghosts are mad at him. But the end of the movie, they're like, "Dude, like, come on, you give really me one more step chance. Up. I got it. Give me one more chance." Like Jesus. Like everyone by the end of the movie is either afraid or annoyed of Jack Torrance. <laughs> like, he's such a fuck up. He messes everything up. He can't. He's not a good writer. He's his no, writer's ball, right? No, so he's he, he he's got, not a good dad. He's a terrible father. He's a bad husband. He's uh he fucked up a teaching job and he even says if we go back to Boulder I'm gonna like shovel like shovel snow like right he everything he does he fucks up he came in his wife is very uh like meek and he can't he ends up getting stabbed by her like he can't do anything right no. the only thing he does he kills poor Scatman Crothers poor Dick Halloran com- comes in uh you know but like I said even his son tricks him in a maze that's right like every this guy is such a fuck up you bring up Scatman that is my issue with this movie no. Yeah. What is the issue? I, I have a hard time with uh, Scatman getting destroyed as soon as he walks into I the hotel. It. it shows the randomness and, I know. and frighteningness of violence. That's definitely not what happens in the book. And so no, when I saw I, I think he I probably... injures him in the book. He lives. He lives. He injures him, yeah. Yeah, he lives. Jack hurts somebody, but he doesn't kill him. Right. In right. fact, he helps the family escape, I think. Doesn't I think he? you're right. Yeah. Um, and I'm fine with him dying. I just feel like he goes on this cross. He's checking in, checking in, alerting, alerting, goes on this cross cross country trick, drives a million hours, takes a snow cat and then gets an I axe love in it. the gut. I love it so much. I, I appreciate it, but I was, I'm not, I'm not quite okay with it. I appreciate I, it. Uh, I beyond adore it. <laughs> I cannot be, it's right there with, you know, um, Bruce Willis opens the door and Pulp Fiction. I mean, uh, uh, John oh, right. Tolles in the bathroom and he just shot. shoots him. I like that. It's scene. just like kind of like out of nowhere. And it's like, oh no, things are random. Things just happen. And like, right, you see him on this whole like this whole hero's journey. Yes. And then that happens. You're like, at that point, you're like, oh, because sh- it, it's almost like they just took away our safety net. Now that's there's, true. There's now no it's just hero. On, now it's just on Wendy. And now a it's boy. just on Wendy and a little boy. That's like, it. That's like really that alone. to me is the ultimate terrifying. I'm surprised you don't. It love, is terrifying. I, I cannot love that enough. No, I appreciate it, but it's it's hard for me. I appreciate it. It's supposed to be hard. Yeah. It's supposed to be awful. It's awful. Uh, so they went back and forth. So um, during the making, uh, uh, really kind of the writing of the script. So the script was even tinkered with a little bit during production. Uh, obviously, it's something that Matt and I typically have an issue with. 
with this movie, the production took so long. I'm not surprised that happened. Matter, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, in the initial version of the script that Kubrick and Diane Johnson worked on, no one dies. Uh, Jack dies, but that's it. Um, in fact, one version even had Scatman coming to the, uh, Jack Howard coming to the hotel. He kills Jack. Um, because the spirits take over Dick Howard and uh, Dick Howard becomes the big bad guy at the I end. See. Um, and then, um, so then they kind of, they realized they didn't want to do that. So they're like, all right, let's have the movie kind of be as it is. And then, but they wrote the movie and they're like, wait a second. Cause in that version, Dick Howard doesn't die. Like Jack doesn't kill anyone. The only person that dies is Jack. It's a hard movie. Have, we right. have to have someone die. Right. So they talked about even killing Danny. You weren't going to see him die. You're going to see like a, a chalk cut out of his body. Oh they never gosh. quite broke the scene, but they were, I guess, going back and forth with some, some dark stuff. That would have been horrible. And they finally came around to killing Dick Howard, which I love so much because it is, it pulls the, the rug out from under you. It really and does. Like, oh my God. Cause you keep expecting this old guy to come. He had that great talk with Danny. He's such yeah. a warm presence on yes. screen. He's even warm. Like in movies like twilight zone, Skyburn Crow, this is just this warm presence on screen. And you're like, Oh, he's going to, he'll save the day. Well, and he's the guy you trust. He's the perspective you trust. And now that's dead. Right now it's gone. It's shocking. It is. It is so great. And I, uh, yeah, and I also shows how powerful the hotel is because you think the hotel, like his powers would have warned him, but no, no, the hotel's powers are greater and it didn't warn him. It tricked him into coming right it into his lair him. and it got him right into that fucking lobby where Jack fucking swings an axe into his chest. And um, yeah, if Kubrick w- went out of his way not to make that scene more violent and they're like, all right, we know we have blood coming out of the elevators and stuff like that, but we, he didn't want it to be super gory. It's not really the film he's trying to make here. I'm glad he didn't. Me too. It's, 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 it's enough. It's, it it's enough. Yeah. You see his body. It's enough. Yo, you see enough horrible shit like the, like the lady in the bath. Yes. Um, right. The blood, but the, the blood is so artistically done. Right. It's not it's, coming it's out just of more like, It's just more of like a, yeah, this is, you know, it's just showing the terror of the place, uh, the horror, you know, but uh, right. You see enough. The scary parts of this movie aren't, and that's what shows like I'm not a huge fan of like gore, like saw and stuff. Nah, like, I mean, all yeah, right. yeah. The scary part of the movie is like when, he, you know, Jack Torrance is talking to Grady in a bathroom. Or he's talking to Larry, the fucking bartender. Or, or Lloyd, Larry, the bartender. Lloyd, sorry, Lloyd. He's yeah. not even blinking at him. Oh my God. He's just I mean, staring he just, at him. And it's like fucked up. Your money's no good here. It's like yeah. the hotel is buying your drinks. And, yeah. you know, I know a lot of people walked out of, you know, and were annoyed. Like, well, how did Jack even have the drinks? They went out of their way to say the drinks aren't there. It's like, well, that's kind of the fun mystery of the movie. It is. You know, you know, one theory could be Jack, you know, there, we had a month where there was, they could drive. Yeah. One theory is Jack. When got, got booze. Right. And stocked up stuff. Or you know, another theory is the hotel is fucking supernatural and has powers and was able to imbibe him or trick him into feeling drunk or whatever that feeling is. And that's not something I would ever criticize. It's like the hotel is supernatural. We get this. First like, the movie, I, I think it, it, it's not, I mean, a lot of people did it. A lot of really talented critics did it. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, it's hard. It's impossible for me to say. I literally grow. I don't ever remember a time in my life without this book being my parents' bookshelf and this movie being played at my house. My, my mom, I mean, I guess it might say something about my parents, but you know, cause this Danny, I watched it when I was younger than Danny. Like I, like this has always been yeah, in my, yeah. in my life. My dad thought it was really interesting. And my, my mom thought it was like, my mom's not a huge movie person, but she just thought this movie is it's like wild. Like, yeah. You know, it was, it was just, and I, I was really drawn to, it, I think just cause the imagery. And I remember being little and being drawn to it because I didn't understand what happened. Like, well, I remember thinking like, why is the, like we just saw yeah, it doesn't yeah, make yeah. any sense. Yeah. Um, and then as I'm older, I'm still, I guess, brought to the, just now, you know, you watch things that are more mature and complex, but you're drawn to different elements of the mysteries of these movies, like what this does. And this is the greatest movie we ever covered in the show. I, I, the only movies I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll leak it. The only thing I, I can see maybe uh, that we, that we could potentially cover that's better is I guess Goodfellas. Sure. Maybe Shawshank, which is funny. Also Stephen King. Yeah. 
I I don't know rewatching this again. I haven't seen Shawshank in a couple of years. I think it's been two years since I've seen Shawshank. Um, uh, I'd want to cover it for this. I almost has to be a birthday pick though, I think. Probably. Because it's uh, it's made such a little money. Yeah. But other than Goodfellas, I don't know if we're going to cover a better, because It's a Wonderful Life and, and um, Godfather. We're not too gonna, old. Too right. old. Yeah. I don't think it gets any better than this. This is, this is film perfection. This is, this is everything a movie. This is everything. This is beyond a movie. It's all like, it's, it's just, it's everything is perfect. So we, so it's not, so where do you put it then? I don't know. I'll have to look probably top 10. Oh my God. So I'm giving we'll this, I'm giving this like a plus, 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 whatever you can give something that's the highest. What were you giving this? It gets an A. All right. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a great film. I don't know that this is my favorite Kubrick film though. Oh, it's mine by far. I don't really, I don't love Kubrick's other stuff. I do. I'm a, I'm a Kubrick guy. I'm not as much. It's been a while since I've seen them, though. Because uh, so there was Kubrick. Some I haven't seen. I haven't. You, I haven't seen Pazagori. Actually, I haven't seen Barry Lyndon. I I saw Barry Lyndon when I was in high school, and I was. I honestly, I didn't give it the attention it deserved. So I, I will. I'll basically say I haven't seen it. I do want to see it. So that I really haven't given attention to. I didn't love Clockwork Orange. I thought it was good. That's not my favorite. I really. Do you like 2001? I love 2001. It's very. It's, I love it. It's. Yeah, I don't have the same love for that. I, 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 I can appreciate how someone could love it, though. Yeah, it is. I think it, so it's... it's so that's your... Cooper. I just think it's artistically stunning. Like the, and I know it's slow and people, you know, but I just... Yeah, but it's not. I, it's a great movie. I, I think he took a it's huge brilliant. risk with that movie. Oh, my God. Uh, to do it. Oh, my God. Huge yeah. risk. Yeah, with a the, half an hour of no talking. Nat- like, change of narrative. Yes, and, yeah, it is. Yeah. I just... I it's so it's spooky in all right ways with the sci-fi ways. I just I love that film. Yeah, I also love Eyes Wide Shut. I think it is a beautiful film. It is like a stunning film. Couldn't agree more. Eyes Wide Shut's brilliant. Uh, but incredible, incredible movie. I haven't seen the That's one I'd love to cover for the show. Too. There's so much to discover there. I it really I think that that movie does so many interesting, complex things. I really like the first half of Full Metal Jacket. That's a brilliant movie. The second been a half, long time since I've seen. Second that. half really when he goes to Vietnam, he doesn't it doesn't have the, that boot camp stuff is amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, but even the even as brilliant as the first half film metal jacket is, that doesn't hold up to anywhere near for me. The shiny, shiny me is just a masterwork. Two thousand one is a different argument because that it to me is so it is incredibly brilliant and has mystery and has layers and it has all these interesting things to it. Um, it just doesn't quite hit me in the whatever. It's all it's, in the soul as much as shining. It's does. like just as spooky as the shining. Uh, not, no, there's nothing just as spooky as Shining, so I disagree to there, but, okay. it's, but I will agree, it's very spooky, it's completely brilliant, yeah. and if you say that's your favorite Kubrick, I can't really have an argument with you, because it's just like, that thing becomes like a taste, you're more, you like the science fiction? I do, yeah, you know, I'm more into that. Yeah, yeah, I mean. Well, because you, well, no. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, kind of a loser, but that's fine. <laughs> loser, sim baseball. Oh, this is what I was going to say about 2001. So 2001, the thing is, so I always look at sci-fi as hopeful, because it's technology, you're, you're, there's a future. If there's sci-fi, there's a future. And that's ho- that is inherently hopeful for me. So you have that juxtaposition with the horridness, the horrible, like the, 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 the horror of all the other stuff that goes on. Like sort of the, the idea of like machines taking over, though, yeah, isn't very, that's not very positive. No, I know. But the fact that there is a future is positive. It's just inherently. But this is the same thing with aliens, where you have like the, all this technology, and they're out in space, and they're exploring, and then they just come up to this horror it's it's that's i like that juxtaposition so of those you two like things. you you will watch art for like the positivity or like the hope not just not the positivity po- i guess wrong word hopefulness is a better word well no i just like the way that it makes me feel i i think it's exhilarating to think about the future See, throw me in the darkness like throw me like i like the pitch black i like it. some of the darkness too it just yeah. depends yeah I, I i think i embrace that more 
um 2001 is a pretty dark movie I mean, it is it's not a very hopeful movie no it isn't but it no it isn't it, it really isn't but you do see the you do see Kubrick's evo- a pretty pitch black guy, he is you know he is but you see evolution you see hey we've gone from this to these tools to this space and right. here we but are every evolution turned like has like a dark end of it though like, it does you know, yeah. monkeys killing each other with bones or yes or robots well that's the thing it's or, eventually the technology comes back and takes it like we we advance because of the technology and then the technology takes us right um but uh no it's really i mean that, that, yeah that's something it's that, a really great that's, it, it kind of sucks i mean i guess you know it's kind of nature, nature of our show, but it's like, so I mean, it's it's fine. It makes it makes the 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 great movies like this to discuss more exciting. But there is kind of a a, a cruel twist that we cover movies like Out of the Chipmunks, but we'll never touch those one. <laughs> I know, I like, it's kind of it's a little unfair. It but, is unfair. Um, I guess that I know we've got we've gone along. I, I could talk about uh, Shining forever. I know I said I didn't want to talk conspiracy theories, but if anyone obviously wants to talk Shining with me, uh, I would I would love to uh, have those discussions on Twitter or whatever. Uh, it is is so great. I love this movie so much. I it didn't get it. We won't talk Oscars. It didn't get a single nomination. That's so I, stupid. And, and that's just sometimes it's how. I mean, it, even the cinematography is amazing. I don't get it. That's sometimes just how these things go. So I mean, sometimes, like you said, it, it was a little bit of Kubrick ahead of his time. The score is phenomenal. The cinematography. It's not really a score though. It couldn't get nominated. I don't think. Oh, because There's only it's, two or three songs, man. I guess so. I guess. I guess it's so. really not a score. Well, then, then what is it then? Like, it's, a, it's a soundtrack. Yeah. Well, some people get sound edit. Was sound editing an Oscar at that point? It is now. I think it was. Should have fucking got some, nominated some for that. Aesthetic. Oh, oh my! I mean, I mean, I think it should have got a thousand nominations, but it just, it just, it just not how the public re- received it. And that's actually it's one thing. As much as I'm kind of like a little bitter about you know some of the stuff where we have to cover in the show, sometimes it is fun to look back though because we do get that perspective that isn't available then. So like we can w- look at the shining and be like, well, this is obviously great, but like you know, it wasn't the time. It doesn't mean people were dumb back then at all because they, in fact, 1980 moviegoers were very. um very actually a lot more intelligent times than they are now. Some of the stuff they, they embrace, especially in the seventies and yeah. 1980. Um, but just, this is it for whatever reason. didn't click right. You know, people don't like mystery. Uh, people like closure and, uh, initially, but you know, I'll tell you right now, a hundred years from now, people will be watching these movies, but I mean, will people be watching Avengers a hundred years from now? I'm guessing no, probably not. You know, yeah, I won't say, but this, 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 this is one that will last forever. Just yeah, because of, of, the, of yeah. the intrigue of it. Right. Shall we? Yes. Funky Town by Lips Inc. Number one on the charts for four weeks in um, 1980. And it sold 8 million fucking copies. The funny thing is, is this really is the end of disco. Like this is the absolute book end of disco. I was wondering like, where is that? Cause the cut, I'm thinking the cutoff must be soon, right? It, I, it's now, I mean, really? So it, I, this is like one of the last hits of disco. I don't know of another one. This might be the last hit. Yeah. Because after this, uh, songs of this nature, dance songs get slower and a little bit funkier goes in and then you know mid 80s it's like new well, jack swing oh, and stuff plus, so i mean plus thriller and thriller, thriller changed the game that's yeah thriller's not so it's two years later yes yeah right right is it 84 no no it's not 84 it's 82 or 83 82 i think it, yeah i think you're right right so that changed it right. uh you're not getting this music anymore so uh, disco really starts in 70 but it doesn't it ramps up slow until 78 and uh 78 and 79 i was gonna say 77 is like right 70, i was right. consider 78 the year of disco but you know, right. Uh, somewhere around there. Right. We, had, uh, I t- we, we agree on the peak. Okay. 
Perfect. Right. So yeah, you're right. So this is the the you know people are probably burning disco records in the street at this point. Well, yeah, I mean, you had that famous disco demolition night in the uh, White Sox game. <laughs> yes, um, that was seventy eight though. I think there was just people. Were just, was it really? Yeah, but yeah, it, but by then, like people are just sick of the you know you're well, seventy eight. So people had right. I mean, right. I think you just had uh, just an anti. I mean, you know, say, probably have like burn Justin Bieber record nights now. And right. You, you know. Or whatever burn drake albums now whatever but this thing sold eight million copies so you know this was still a huge huge hit yeah and for a disco song i thought it was a little bit of an anomaly um for it being this late but this is really the last gasp of disco before it dies and i wondered like it's just i think it's a little bit weird the song's weird uh did you notice um like the vocoder on the vo- on the voice i don't know what that means like, 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 a computer. I, so I think what most people call that is robot voice. Vocoder. So what's it called? A vocoder. Okay. I never really noticed that. Yeah, I guess I knew it. Yeah, robot voice. The other thing is, it's a very square song. It's like everything is really on the beat. Maybe so you dance to it. Yeah, but uh, not but every disco song is like that. Like no, that? usually like you know R and B or soul or danceable music is more has more syncopation, more things that are off the beat. How about like disco though? Because disco, disco is, is a little on the straighter. Floor, people who might not know how to dance, or, like everyone was doing disco, I guess. Disco is a little, yeah. Disco is a more, yeah. It is a more suburban uh, music. It definitely is, and that's who was going. Like to they the show clubs. that in Boogie Nights a little bit, like how like people who shouldn't be dancing, are, like in that opening yeah, scene, they're yeah, like, yeah, why yeah, are these yeah. people out here? Like this looks stupid. But then some of the funkiest song, like I still think it. There's this weird thing that happens when something when things are so straight and on the beat that it becomes funky. Like funky is usually you are waiting like you're you're late on stuff and there's also syncopation so things off the beat it it so it, it kind of pulls you a little bit and it, it makes it almost it's not the right word but almost more lazy because it, it just pulls you back but some songs they're so straight on the beat but yet they're funky and this this is kind of like that but also another example i mentioned this last week this is so on the beat straight but it's so funky. But this is later, right? 86, yes. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just using it as an example of sometimes things that are so square are just funky. And I feel that way about Funky Town. It it it, it ha- it's like funky for uh for like a straight kind of straight song like that. I have an issue with the lyrics. There are like 10, 10 words, aren't Yeah, there? but like if Funky Town already exists, why wouldn't you be there already? And why would you need someone to bring you? Just Can go. Can you just take me there to Funky Town? Just go. You what want, are you waiting for? It's Funky Town. Who would like, to be there? Come on and bring me to Funky Town. Life's too short to live so we don't want to live. Go so, go to Funky. Just go. What are you waiting for? Yeah. Why are you thinking about it? Just go. This is a worldwide hit. So Europe, mm. North America, um, Eurasia. This was everywhere. This thing was a huge hit. It was written by Steven Greenberg. We were talking about this before. Steven Greenberg, Minnesota, multi-instrumentalist. And We've talked about this before? Earlier in the show, remember we opened with, uh, do you remember we opened with uh, with Funky Town? We talked about this. Oh. A little bit. We just bridged it before we went. Oh, okay. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So. Oh, lip sync. Yeah, remember that. Lip, lip sync. Yes, yeah. right. Lip sync. So that, so Steven Greenberg writes the song. And he, uh, so he, from Minnesota, and he writes this other song called Rocket that ends up being on this album. I think it's Mouth to Mouth. 
Yeah. That gets to be a local. It, did you notice it's only four songs? I know. It's like 28 minutes long. This well, rock. This, this, yeah. Well, Funky has like seven and a half minutes. I listened to Radio Edit as well. Yeah. Which it's is like much three, better, and, but, three and a half minutes. Right. Yeah, like um, there's also another version of Funky Town. Did you come across that as well by another band? No, I didn't. I'm going to show you. Same time, 80, 1980. Rip? Yeah. Oh. I'll show, I'll show you that. We've run it a few times. It's so weird. It's very weird. I don't I'm understand what happened with that. Because no. if. I'll show you some back to back of the. It's a fair. It's a. People odd. really wanted their Funky Town back then. They couldn't get enough. Two guys doing it. Take me to Funky Town. I I I would already be there if such a place exists. Right. Um. So this is other song. Part of his other song called Rocket, which is another like eight and a half minute anthem on mouth to mouth. And so this he released in '78. It was a mild hit locally in Minnesota for him, but it got him signed. They put it on this record and this charted too. This hit like twenty on the dance uh, charts and then hit something like fifty or whatever on the on the Hot 100. But I really like this song more than Funky Town. More like a robot voice. Not nah, in this one. I hear it in the background. No, it's that's a, a bass voice. playing chords. Oh, really? Yeah. That's so good. So tight. Yeah, I guess they do. What they're doing, they're doing good, I guess. Doing well, I guess. <laughs> right? Usually, that whole song is a trek. There's definitely like different sections. I can see people really all these songs. It's the same like. Uh, it's, I feel like it's the same like. Well, you do hear. You definitely hear that bass line before, but they, that guy plays it so in the. Pocket. Yeah, but it's these beautiful. guys are good at being at disco. Like I, I, I'm not like anti disco or anything like that. I mean, I guess I'm not like pro disco. I just feel like all the songs sound the same. It yeah, must have been so tiring, especially this time. You figure you said this is the end of it. Man, man, people have been hearing this in the radio for four years. Like, enough's enough. It's the same reason why I give you shit about ska. It's because there's only so much you can do I know, with that style I'm not, of music. I know. I I understand why ska is gone. Doesn't mean I'm not sad. Oh no, you can be sad. <laughs> <laughs> you can listen to a lot. Watch your sim baseball. No, right. It is, oh, you just sim baseball. Man. It's all you. All you do is it's one knock on me. You got to find something else. One. Find, find, well, find, exactly. Find a new. Find a new crutch here. I shall. Yes, but it's the same. But you're right with disco. It's the same thing. Remember, they were all kind of sampling each other too. They were using the same sample beats. They were using uh, Jeff Porcaro beats and stuff. It's yeah. There's only so much you can do. It's why it's why it's crazy that the Bee Gees had as much of a career as they, were they really were did. They the I, I I don't consider Blondie disco. No, 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 no. So is Bee Gees the king? Like, call me isn't disco. No. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Bee Gees are the kings. They are. There's no one. I mean, some may say that the Bee Gees are the best writers ever to ever have lived. That person who says that is wrong. Yeah. But they are very talented writers, and they definitely are the king of disco. No one can write better yeah. disco than they can. And and I feel like um we covered this kings on the uh, uh on the uh, 78 show, but what was it right? Uh, uh, Staying alive. Yeah. That's probably the most famous. I mean, someone that at least has held up. I mean, Funky Town you still hear once in a while, but like Staying Alive, I think is the one you. That's got to be. That's probably that. the most iconic. I mean, there's also uh, it's like the go-to for disco, right? Maybe a few of those from that. I, if someone argued, because I don't know if Staying Alive hit number one. I think that was number no, two. No, like now, like the one that's like Staying Power. But I'm just saying, there's others from that album too. Uh, yeah. What was it like uh, Night Fever was huge. To probably Staying Alive. But I'm just saying, like probably. now, like what's the I most so. like you know what when people probably think you know when when. 50 years now, people think look back at the 70s and think disco. I think you're right. I think it was now, but like alive. this is probably in the top five. Oh yeah, of like most famous that still hold up. That still people still know. Like everyone listening to this show has heard Funky Town. Yes, even like young kids. Yes, because like, yes, yes. it's just like I'm not saying people like it. Like, what, I don't even think I, I don't even know. I like it. It's fine. Like, I don't know. I don't. Did, I don't even know. Did you ever get like the um, the the Funky Town happen at uh, at at Chuck E. Cheese? 
What? Where the animatronic things would play. They, yeah, the, the, the band. The band. Chucky's band. They yeah. would do, they did Funky Town oh, at the ones that really? I went to. Yeah, so I wonder that if makes it's so much sort sense. of really ingrained in my head. Because they would have been, been after this. But it's been in commercials and movies and stuff. Yes, I know. But, but it's interesting that this yes. they played though, right? Yeah. I mentioned this before, but they also did eggs as opposed to legs from uh, ZZ Top. And it was the chicken who sang that one. The chicken sang Funky Down too. Did that inspire you to do your eggs song? No, I, my wife inspired that. I know, but I don't know if I had some sort of... No. Should he get a writing credit? The chicken from Jersey? <laughs> <Jesus. laughs> it's not. Oh, no, not. On that hit? Sorry, Jesus, such a it's weird viewed place. viewed by a lot of people, though. Yeah. It's been... Hasn't really... I haven't looked in... I thought for, so, right? Ever. I haven't looked people, in forever. People I have it. other videos, like tutorial videos that have 70, 80,000 views. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of a big deal. I wonder if they hate you. Like, you know, when I watched, I don't know if this is just me, but I watched tutorial videos. I, just, I constantly get, like, I get, an, I get bored and annoyed, you know? And I start, I just, like, hating the person talking. I just, like, make fun of them and I hate them. Well, it's different if you're trying to learn a song. Um, mm. You know, I don't get annoyed. But, like, them. halfway through, aren't you, like, you know, you know, well, sometimes I'll skip forward, like, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. I'm just looking for you the You don't course. just, like, swear at them and stuff? Is that a me thing? Yeah, that's a you thing. Oh. Who do I swear at? No, I'll swear at, I'll swear at the TV, definitely. Okay. Yeah. But not not tutorials, right? Really. I, I don't like his people. I feel like he's telling what to do. I know I know that's the goal of it. You know what? But I just I feel like being about? bossed around. So I'm like, fuck you. you know, I, I don't. You know, I, I've been like unreasonably angry at the robot vacuum. Do you know we have a robot vacuum? Uh, yeah, you talk about. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. You talk about it. I'm you have. You talked about it before. No, no, you have. You talked about it before. He does. Uh, he does vacuum and he does mop. Yeah. Um. I think. And, I did, yeah. Yeah. Had it for a while though. Yeah. Probably. Um. Yeah. Like eight or nine months. He does a really good job actually. And but I get irrationally angry at him because he he like it's like he hunts me down like i'm in the living room and oh. i'm sitting at the table and i'm uh in, in my living room and i'm you know doing some i'm doing some work or something sure. on my computer and he'll come by and i just have to get out of the way i've got to move my chair out oh, of the I way like I got, oh i wouldn't like that so i swear at him There's, can you kick it or just kick it like go do i don't want to do that no i don't that's that's terrible no, like, hard, doing a job. Like, go, like nudge like go do something else no i can't really do that i mean if he hits me he would just he would he would move he would go like if he, if he had the chair a chair leg or something he would go in the different direction but he's actually really doing a service he's doing something that i don't want to do it's a it's a good size house i don't want to vacuum the fucking house i get it but i do i realize i'm irrationally angry at him and i shouldn't be He's doing us a service. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I would be annoyed by that. Yeah, I get annoyed by it. But it's it's not it's not right at me. I Punt should, it across the room or something. No, that, there you time. go. Clean that motherfucker. Aw. <laughs> He's just doing his job. Um, anyway, back to Funky Town. The, so, oh yeah. So I mentioned that there was another band that does this at the same time. It is um, Dance Queen is the name of the ensemble. Check this out. So here, listen to the, so there's this like sax riff in the Lips Inc. version. Sax, you know, mm-hmm. it's like night court. And then <laughs> here's the other one. <laughs> Sorry, hold on. Let me get the, uh, oh, here's the riff. Yep. That's not a saxophone. It's a fucking keyboard. Okay. It's like, why don't you just if do I a saxophone? Call, if I called that a keyboard a synthesizer, would I be wrong? Say it again? If I called that keyboard that we just heard a synthesizer. No, call it a synthesizer. That's that's probably a more correct way. To okay. It. Right. It's, it's, right. it's, it's, it's it synthesizer. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a saxophone. Even, no. even in my ears, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the, versus, the saxophone's better. Way better yeah. on the lip sync version. I don't know why they would have done this knockoff version. This Listen to the- Why would uh, you allow this? You wouldn't. I, I don't get it. I don't know why. I don't- why would you, Who would you get the licensing songs to the same at the same time? So weird. It was very weird. Uh, and I tried to find there was no wiki on it. They mentioned it briefly in the 
Wikipedia on on the lip sync version, but I don't have any really details and I didn't get to get into it too far, but I don't know why. Here's the, here's the verse. No vocoder, but listen. Let's do her voice. Oh yeah, I don't like this. this is the fake version. I don't like the fake version. Like and it's not a vocoder because like they're it. like, we don't know how they did that sound over there. Yeah. So we're gonna do manipulate, do something weird over here, and it sounds like shit. This is a weird time for music. I was just I I, I listened to uh a serious uh XM has 80s stuff, right? Yeah. And they'll do like the top ten uh or top forty rather of that particular week. And it's fun, they bounce all around the eighties and like they'll land on nineteen eighty once in a yeah. while, right? And ni- in nineteen eighty, I'll talk about it in headlines a little bit, like it almost feels like this like I know it was a lie for it technically, but it, I don't remember, you know, obviously I was less than oh, one so, for most yeah, of right. it. So like, I don't, it's almost like a foreign, like it's almost like this, it might as well be a history book. So sure. it's really strange. So um, th- I guess a big thing in, in 1980 was medleys. So they would have like, uh, yeah. the Grease medley was like a hit. And it's like four Grease songs. And yeah. like, but like only 30 seconds of it, but they had like a bunch of them, like a bunch of them charted. And like medleys were a really big, like Beach Boys medley. It was a lot of like throwback stuff yeah. of like nostalgia but it was really strange. Like that, like that's what people listened to the radio back then. People Would they be really, long too though? Would they be like seven minutes long? Cause no, how do you fit uh, four think, songs into there? No, no, you don't have the whole song. Oh, it's well, like yeah, 40 yeah. seconds of, of like still, four songs not, uh, or whatever. Yeah, something yeah. like that. It's really, but like medleys were a really big deal. Like in the 80, 80, 81. It's really strange. I'm trying to think of if I know any, I can't think you, of it. You wouldn't know. It was so, it's so bizarre. Cause they basically kind of came and went and they didn't have any lasting power. But like the cool thing about that show is you'll find these like things that no one has talked about or thought about in years. Yeah. Because, but it well, did chart. So I give serious XM a lot of credit. It did chart. So they're like, we're going to play it. So here you go. And like, it's bizarre because well, there are famous versions where you have songs that, that hit the radio that were, you know, Marvin Gaye would go, I can't remember what it was, but it was almost like what's going on into mercy, mercy me well, or Beatles. Like uh, or, me and Mr. Mustard, right? Yeah. We get into like, um, uh, well, the came end through of the, the back, uh, came to the bathroom and the end of the white album too would do, uh, yeah. uh, uh, boy, you but this is, totally, like, would, this is from different weird. eras. Like, I think it was like a four seasons. Wait one a of Frankie Valley in the four seasons. Would it be all the same artists though? Yes. Okay, good. Cause that, that would be that really seemed, fucked up. That seemed up. to be their rule. It was always the same artist. Okay. But like maybe it's like the four biggest hits and they just like clump them together and like, it, it doesn't like obviously we're used now because of all the computers and stuff. People can really make good cuts. So the cuts don't even sound that great, but I'm sure it did at the time. But maybe people back then just wanted to hear 40 seconds of their favorite song. I guess. Because you weird. couldn't like, maybe they weren't, I don't know, maybe it's just, just like, you don't have obviously the same amount of like options as, as we do now for listening to stuff. But you'll see that in live shows, more right. modern live shows, right? You'll see you know, big pop stars will do it or even on the Super Bowl, of course, but they'll, right. but, but Beyonce won't necessarily play, or Madonna won't play her old song. She'll play part of a song and do right. a medley. It's almost like that, but like on weird. the radio. And it was a big hit. That's <laughs> weird. <laughs> so weird, yeah. Uh, I, I don't get it. But, really strange. Um, I think that's it. Oh, the only other thing with the the dream or the sorry the dance queen version is the the lip sync version's weird the three and a half minute version that's on the radio it goes verse two choruses in a row and then verse and done it's a very weird structure usually you go like verse chorus verse chorus bridge verse chorus or something okay whereas the dance queen version is much more standard it goes verse chorus verse chorus so they they definitely like move it i think i think it would have been hard for lip sync to make it fit in within that time frame because the song, the seven and a half minute version or eight minute version or whatever mm. it is, does have all those elements. But I think it would have been hard to fit because some of the, the sections are pretty long. It would have been hard to fit it into three and a half. So they chose to just go verse, chorus, chorus, verse, which is very odd. You know who was a big disco too? Who was a big disco? Oh, yeah. 
Is it, you know, Dancing Queen and, and they uh, made that movie, Mama Me, and the play and everything. So I think because of that it has lasting power too. That's true. So I bet I would put them right there. As I don't far know. That, as like I wonder if Dancing Queen is more recognizable than Saturday Night Fever. I would get or sorry uh, than Staying Alive. I think Staying Alive is probably number one. I agree. Yeah. Those first few. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the it's yeah yeah. I would agree. Maybe Dancing Queen second though. Could be. I mean, yeah, this, maybe this right. is third. Yeah. Funky Town. Did we talk about our album before? Do we, I, so do we like this song? I, I say I. Say I think it's not bad. It's I think, fine. I think it's, I think it's pretty good. I give it a C plus. Yeah, something like that. C plus. Right, it's from the same. Yeah, B minus maybe. Yeah, I think it's pretty good, but it's not. It's not amazing. C plus. I also nice. think the cut is weird to to play it like that with the three. It doesn't sound like it has any arc to it. It's very strange. You're not. You're not like used to anyone. It's to have a. Don't you take me to Funky Town? It, that does not happen very long, but that's what we remember. It's a very strange thing that they just stick that in the middle and then it's nowhere else. But uh, yeah, it's not bad. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I was uh, I was living in Jackson Heights, Queens. That's where, uh, where we lived. Uh, we wouldn't move to the park until uh, 1982, I believe. So I was living in New York City. Obviously, I was um, eight months old. Yeah. Um, so I really, you know, I don't say, but I do want to talk about an experience I had today that pissed me off. So um, that's my story. <laughs> Is, so I went, so I don't have my passport, right? So I'm going to go get my passport. Can we just say that you were supposed to get your passport before Madawaska? I know, I know, I know, I know. That was so a I'm year going and a half ago now. I know, I know. I haven't got it. But I'm oh. like, all right, I'm going to get it. You know, so, yeah, so I'm trying. Right. So I haven't gotten it. Right. This, which kind of also adds to the story. Of it. I haven't gotten it. I've just kind of, kind of been dragging my feet, obviously, and just been kind of lazy about it. I don't, you know, I don't really have a good excuse, but I'm trying to go do it now. Right. So I go online, like, hey, you need this form and you need uh, some ID and stuff and, and uh, you know, like your uh, birth certificate or whatever. So I, so I, so like you can make an appointment with the post office and they'll take your picture and then you can go and kind of take care of everything and, and go there. Yeah. So, okay. So I, I make an appointment online and I have all my stuff with me. I don't have the form. Um, because, uh, I just saw it online. I, I, I scheduled everything online, but I don't have, I don't have the form. Like it's not something you can just print out. Like it's, it's all, it's like a buy, it's a fold. It's like, you need to have their actual, oh, I see. It's a, like, has it's like a bar 12 code. by 14 or something. I see. Yeah. Right. Like you I need see. to have their form. I don't yeah. have it. So, so I go to the post office. So my, I have my scheduled meeting there. I go to Newmarket post office. I go there. There's this bald guy there. It's a little bald guy there. And um, now it's unvaccinated, uh, whatever. Great. I still got to wear the mask. So you go in there, you're wearing a mask. You know, I'm not too happy about that. Whatever, fine. So I go in there. I'm not in a bad mood or anything. It's fine. Uh, I walk in and um, there's someone in front of me. They do, they do their, whatever, their, their transaction, they leave. And I walk over. I go, hey, I'm here for the, I think I have a scheduled passport yeah appointment you know and he's wearing a mask too and then there's like the the um, like most post offices it's pretty like why like they have counter space it's pre- it was pretty wide open sure but because of covid i guess they put through this like almost like transparent curtain so like it's like almost yeah almost like there's like a curtain in front of you, you so know? it's not just a piece of plexi it's actually a curtain? it's like a really thick plexi like it, oh okay it's okay. like i guess it's I plexi see. but it's not like it's not plexi it's like rough it's like okay it's weird i, I haven't seen anything like it honestly uh, it seems like kind of cheap, like very, you know, probably government issue. Sure. And it's like, but it's like, but it's, it makes doing business hard because you're like sliding over and whatever. So I have, so he's like, so I'm like, and he like kind of, I tell him I'm here for my appointment. He kind of like rolls his eyes at me and he's like, oh, and he kind of like gestures at me. I hate that shit. So I'm like, oh, it's like, here, do your fucking job. Like, here we go. Like, I'm not being an asshole here. I, 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 just, I made the appointment or whatever. Yeah. So, you know so, what's coming. So he, he has like two large bags on this other part of the counter and he kind of like just pushes them aside and, uh, he like looks at me like rolls like rolls his eyes like i'm like yeah so i'm here for the passport thing and i start like i start like rifling through my stuff i'm like i think i have everything but i'm not quite sure i know i don't have the form i might i might need to come back i don't know he goes hey uh i'm up here i'm over here what i go what he goes i can't hear you 
with the mask on and with the curtain. Like, I'm here. Well, we don't know that. And I'm just like, what the fuck? I, I was so taken aback. I, I really wish I'd been like, well, I'm fucking here, motherfucker. I really wish I'd live into this guy. Uh, well, it must have been surprising to you that he would have acted that way. Though. I was shocked. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because I've been like in, you know, COVID, we don't have a lot of interaction. So I haven't really been dealt with brutally in a while. But like, I was like, I was like, I, I, I really like, was like left like tongue tied. I, I, I was like, what? Oh, okay. So I like, I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, so then I got pissed. So I go, okay. So what I just said was, I don't know if I have everything. Yeah. So I don't know if I need to come back. And he's like, what do you have? And I go, well, I have my birth certificate, which I'm trying to get out to show you. I have my social security card. I have my driver's license. I don't have the form. He's like, well, you need the form. Fuck this guy. I'm like, well, give me the form. And he goes, well, what do you want? Do you want a, uh, a card or a book? I'm like, I don't know what. I said, I don't have a passport. And he, and he's like, well, are you going to fly? I'm like, I'm going to fly across this car and beat the fuck out of you in about three seconds. <laughs> I said, no, uh, I said, yeah, I'm going to fly. Like, well, I'm guessing 99.999% of people who get their passport, I'm guessing, want uh, the book. I've never heard of the card. I don't know. The understand. card is what you get. Apparently, I'm, learning, I'm, I'm now a passport expert because it's a oh. piece of shit. Um, the card is what you get if you only want a passport that you won't ever use to fly anywhere. Well, then why would you use the... I don't get... what Because you can't go anywhere. The, you get, the def, I guess maybe drive to Canada, but like the default has to be the book. I, I, I would that just, sounds like real ID is what he was trying to sell you on, but I have no idea. Can I you, don't know either. Yeah, I mean... F- so I go... I, the I, book, dude. So then he, he gives it for me. He's like, well, you have to fill this out and, and come back later. Oh, I'm going to fill it out right now in front of you. I thought about it. I'm like, I'm like I don't want to deal... I'm like, I'm going to... I'm yeah, like, I'm going to yeah, punch this guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, I really hate this man yeah. at this point. I'm really angry. Uh, it's, you know, uh, when we're taping this, it's, it was uh, like the hottest. It was like 91 degrees. Yeah, out. it was really warm. Um, it was, obviously wasn't that hot in the, in the post office, but it was just like, I just didn't want to like w- look at this. And like the new market post office, uh, I'm guessing most people haven't been there. It's very, de- it's right in downtown, which is great. It's an ugly building right in the middle of downtown. It's so awkwardly placed. And there's not really like, a lot of natural light in there. So it's dark. It's, yeah, it it's sucks. Like gross. It used to be rustic. bulldozed. There's no need for it to be it's there. It's awful. It used to be a movie theater there. And they uh, tore that down and built this fucking disgusting like, government building that now is the post office. It chops up the downtown too. It ruins it. It's New terrible. York's downtown, like our, the best thing about the town I live in is the downtown is incredibly cute and quaint. Super and quaint. it has this great like mill building and it has all these like nice little shops. And it's really like this like cute, like- And you're right one. next to the river too. Yeah, it's right, yeah. Right, in the, right in the water. And it has like this real Norman Rock, Rockwell it feel does. to it. Yes. Except for this disgusting <laughs> so post stupid. office in the middle of town. That are, you know, I've been in there a few times. I've lived in Newmarket now for a couple of years. Uh, I've uh, I've only dealt, I guess there's only been women there when I've gone in there, but like everyone I've dealt with there has been really pleasant and nice. I had actually had no, I assume this to be like, I assume they might tell me I need to come back with this form. I don't know. Which I even said up top, I might need to come back. I was right. trying to be nice. Yeah. Um, Usually in a small town, you don't want to be a dick because everybody's going to know who you are. I, that, so that was going through my head on, the same, on my end. I'm like, well, I live here. I'm not going to, I don't want to like, do I want to cause a stir here? Uh, but I got home and I told, I'm like, I want to put this guy on blast. Like, I, I hate this guy. Yeah. So I, I, I don't, so I'm going to make an appointment to get my uh, pass. I'm going to go somewhere else and do it. Uh, yeah, you can go to German Newfields even. Newfields yeah. is nice. It's quiet. I might do that. If they yeah. have, as long as they have the, some, don't have, sucks. some don't have the ability to take pictures. I don't want to go down and deal yeah, with college kids, ass. but like, yeah. I'm going to go, um, yeah, I'm going to go somewhere else and do that. And then, uh, but I might go back there and like, read them out. Like, I'm really pissed. 
Like next time I go and get stamps. I would just want to know why. Why were you such a dick to me? Maybe you had a really tough day. Who knows? But but uh, if you had a really tough day, why would you want to just be an ass to the next person you see? I, I don't get that. I don't know. You'd want to have a nice interaction, I think. Maybe doing a passport's like a hard job for him or something. I don't know. But like, I didn't, like, I don't know. I, I just signed up for it on the line, man. I don't know. I live in town. Yeah, it's not your fault. You just want a passport. I was like, what It's the not fuck? your fault that the passport process is a pain in the ass for him. Like, I, I mean, I don't even know why we have this process. Oh, it's dumb. Like, just, just, pay, just send me a passport. Like, why do I need to go through? It's, 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 like, what are, what are we doing here? Like, just send everyone a passport. What, why do keeps I? Keeps the post office relevant. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, what are we, you know, and, but I guess they, they don't even want to deal with it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I mean, so that, that fucking, that made me mad, but it was like a beautiful day out. So then I just went outside and played my dogs for the rest of the day. I was like, fuck you guys. That's better. Yeah. It's bald as fuck. Better. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad he's bald. I really am. Yeah, I, think I hope. I, I hope it causes him a lot of pain. I hope that each time his hair fell out, I heard him. <laughs> I hope it was like a painful baldness. Ow! I don't know. That's how it works, but I, I don't know. I hope so. Kurt called you bald. Yeah, that's weird. I think uh, so. I've always had fine hair, and I have a cowlick in the back. Oh, but I don't. I don't know. Do I look bald to you? Not here. Are you in the back bald though? Yeah, I mean, I, here. I'll turn. I have a cowlick right there. Move your hand. Oh, maybe it's the way it parted. It might be the way it's parted it in the back. I, I mean, I'm, Tuesday I'm getting a haircut finally. I'm like so angry. Get your haircut on Tuesday. We'll see how it is. Yeah. I, I don't think it's so. It's not at all. Because I don't have... Yeah, From I'm, the front, it's, it's not always bald. been the, the same. The back has a little spot there, but it might be the way it's parted. It's just that I have a cowlick there. I, yeah. It's always been I there. I bet if you get it cut. I just got my hair cut up uh, yesterday. It looks very nice. Looks good, huh? Yeah. Very handsome. Yep. Uh, no, I, let's get it cut and we'll see how bald yeah, you are. Yeah, We can do a progress report. When are you getting it cut? When is it? Tuesday. Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm excited for that. Uh, okay good me too where are you where are you going i have a hairdresser heather <laughs> but i haven't seen her in like a year and a half cool. barbara was the last person to cut my hair and she she just why don't you go to a barber well, i go to barbara but she no no why don't you go to, why don't you go to a barber <laughs> uh no i go to i go to heather heather's heather's good to me she's been right. cutting my you like hair heather? For, she's cut my hair for like seven years yeah all right i like heather all right heather's good Does heather listen to the show probably not right well i haven't seen her since um like covid like pre-covid so it was right around that time. I don't know that she's heard our show, but hmm. she will be a long time okay. listener. I'll tell her I shouted her out on uh, this episode and she'll listen. There you go. Uh, so we are in June of 1980. Yeah. Uh, June 15th, uh, Jack Nicholas at 40 wins his fourth and last U.S. Open. He would also win the PGA Championship that yeah. year, which was filled which Phil Mickelson just won at 50. Right. Uh, but he would only win one other major. Uh, that was the Masters in 1986, famously, when he was 46. His son is a caddy. But um, he, of course, won 18 majors. Uh, yeah. And uh, he is uh, the best golfer ever. I mean, Tiger Woods only at 15. So I don't see him catching. Yeah. He's all busted Not with up the now. injuries, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, 18 majors. That's crazy. That's a lot. Like, it's hard to even, like, you know, Tiger, we think of Tiger. He won only won 15. Um uh june 17th this is probably more relevant to uh to me maybe than you but new york city subway fares announced they are going to go up to 60 cents on july 1st son of a bitch um they are 275 today so is it pay one rate no matter where you go yes that's dumb uh that's how you uh run in the negative you need to charge based on distance mm. not just one no but that, uh, how but do you do that it's the, very easy it's not that hard to do like you can figure it out it's just that many people in new york subways this, this isn't it, like a this, small, is what ha- this is what happens when you subsidize shit like that like the same thing with the mail the mail shouldn't cost 50 cents to send it across the country or to manchester that makes zero sense and that's why they're in the fucking red yeah well yeah. The, new york also i think you know as someone who lived there though it was great having like the uh you could buy a monthly pass 
And fine, now, do that. And that gets you unlimited access to the subway. Fine. And then, right. Then you get, I mean, people do that all the time. You buy a subscription, you get like, you know, if you sign up for a Patreon right. uh, for a quantum week, you, you can pay yearly and you get like a 10 or 15% discount. I mean, that, that's normal. But, do you still want, but how would you account that for going by distance if I buy a month? You would, you'd have to figure out what the average fare is. That's, the average, oh, that's like the one it's on the just river. It's a pain in the ass. It sucks. You don't have to. The fucking people who are setting the prices have to uh, if they respond to market rates, but that's not how the subway works because they're fucking subsidized. <sighs> Market forces, I'm telling you, all week, the entire week, uh, there was talk of just how poor the economy was doing. They were yeah. going through recession, um, but really every day had a different article. One article, one day was um, May had the fewest houses built in a month in over five years. Um, Reagan had just taken office. No, he hadn't. Carter was still in office. Eighties in 19- in election year. Oh um, yeah, yeah, eighty-one. So, uh, so Carter's still in office. Uh, a giant Ford plant closed in New Jersey. And that cost 4,500 people their jobs. Um, I mean, and, you know, you think about it. I can't even imagine an auto plant in New Jersey. But like they, no, it was like, a, there were like a few of them back yeah. in the day. But like yeah. this was the last, I think the last one. Right. It certainly was the last Ford one. Um, and then uh, new college graduates couldn't find work. Um, I'm sure. There's an article about how the graduates a year earlier had a much easier time. And by this time, you know, Carter just kind of, you know, a lot of, I'm not going to blame Carter for everything, but you know, a lot of the, just it was it was also just like a declining economy from it was, know, the early 70s, mid 70s, or early 70s were really boom time. Um, late 60s kind of were too uh, for economically, not socially, but economically things were going really well. And then um, during Nixon's time, and then um, things really fell apart. Uh, and well, Carter, wars and all sorts of shit. And then so, we had energy uh, crisis. Yeah, and that, that really it really fucked everything up. Well, they started fixing prices too, which does, that doesn't help anything. People are dumb. It was talk, you know, so then Carter's running for president this year. Yeah. And he's like, well, uh, I can lower taxes, but it wouldn't be until next year. But, you know, and then people like fucking went ape shit. He said, maybe next year we can lower tax. People were like, what the fuck? Like, they really want to lower taxes now. And then he came back this week and was like, well, maybe we'll lower them next year. And it's like, I'm reading this. I'm like, yeah, obviously we know the yeah, future. You're, it's you're like, good. I see why you lost the election. Yeah, like, you're not, that's not going to, that's not what people want to hear. And then meanwhile, it was a picture of Reagan. And it was like one of the first pictures he had taken with uh, George Bush who would be his vice president. Right. And they had come together for some, I think like some conference, some breakfast or something. They were there. Um, and uh, you can start, you can start to see things align. Like, all right, so Bush and Reagan are joining forces here. Yeah. Cause they, they were bitter rivals for many long time. Uh, and that 80 uh, primaries was very heated and there was a lot of bad blood there. Really? Um, and um, so these guys, you can see those guys joining forces and the flip side, you see Carter is saying just ridiculous things like, yeah, we won't, you know, just think about that. The headline, like, yeah, we won't lower taxes. It's just like, and people are really suffering. It's like, no one wants to hear that. People want to hear that now. They like, they like the idea. People are dumb. Sheep, sheep people like, uh, like to raise taxes now. Well, some people do and some people don't, I guess. But certainly <laughs> when people were really struggling like that, and I think people were just working for a lifeline from the government and Jimmy Carter just didn't, at least communication-wise, wasn't seen to be able to offer one to people who were really struggling. And I mean, you can see, I mean, you, you know, it, it, it is funny. It is fun to look back at some of these things and like, oh, wow, like I can see why you lost. Yeah. Um, it was wild looking back at this, he- at this weekend headlines, though. It didn't feel like a time, obviously, obviously I, I, ne- like I hadn't lived this. Sure. So like it was all weird things. I, I felt like I was looking at history, but it was the first time doing this show that I felt like I was really like really removed from everything. Not I had there. no emotional connection to anything happening, yeah. obviously. Uh, but it was it was doing this show though. I almost have an emotional connection to every headline we do. Or, That's true. Or not every headline, but like whatever the, the, the segment and section. Well, in theory, I and a lot of times the pop culture will reframe your memory to where you were, and so those stories. A it was lot weird of times doing this sense, week, which yeah, it doesn't. Um, it's gonna be really weird doing the Patreon show, which is Blues Brothers, because Shining I have a real connection to. Um, yeah, because you saw it so much. It was a huge part of my life, and it still yeah. is to this day. 
Bruce Brothers I've never seen. Now I, I'm very I'm a huge fan of the SNL. Um, yeah, uh, but I'm I'm not. Oh, I have an idea for this Patreon show as we sign off here. Yep. So, are you gonna have a personal story or no? I would just say where I lived. No, no, not really. I was living in. Do you want to do your Dreamcast for SNL? Dreamcast for SNL. Yeah, you could put like anywhere between like eight and twelve names together of what your perfect cast would be. Yeah, let's do that. It's a fun segment. That is fun. Let's do that in the Patreon show then. You guys are missing out if you don't sign up. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, we're back next week. We're going to, uh, what was it, 2009? Nine, we got Taken, yep. uh, which will be the free show. And then uh, um, the Clint Eastwood movie, uh, Grand Torino, will Grand be Torino. the Patreon show. Cool. Anything else? That's it. That's it.